Just so people know, I reported this to Lyft and the police department and the city of the threats were made. This was Sunday night, October 4th, 2020. I was in the airport about to order an Uber when I checked the Lyft prices. $20 cheaper to take a Lyft. So I requested one and almost canceled it because it was taking a while to find someone when eventually a driver was found. Pretty much as soon as I entered the car and we started driving, he saw where I lived and started talking about murdering people, especially those on bikes, in the city I live. It wasn't just a once-off line either. He kept on going on and on about it. How he would get the cold sweats afterwards and decided he didn't want to feel that way so he tried not to. During this, I am texting my boyfriend because dudes make me feel super weird. I wasn't really trying to converse with him, so all of this was unsolicited information. Then he was saying how he was going to do a haunted house and make it super lame and like it was over and then once you try to leave when you thought you were safe, he'd get you. I asked him, how would you do that because I feel like a lot of people are really aware of the surroundings and would definitely see you coming. Then he said, you never know, I might just get you tonight. I laughed and said, I don't think so, as he's literally pulling up to my apartment. When we parked, he just kept talking, so I'm like, okay, bye, and I had to unlock the door myself, and when I got out to grab my luggage from the trunk, he almost took off with it. It was weird too, both when he picked me up and dropped me off, he just stand behind me like a weirdo. It was super uncomfortable. He definitely knows which apartment I live in, and I'm pretty sure Lyft fired him. Edit, it's been a few weeks and I haven't seen him or his car hanging around my place. We'll continue to keep an eye out for him though. For context, I'm a 22 year old male and I live in a large city in the Midwest. Now, I drive for Lyft while putting myself through trade school. I drive for other similar companies, but that's besides the point. I have many horror stories from those as well, but I'll tell those another time. It was Christmas Eve 2020. I was running a lift for a few hours before heading to my mom's house with my new baby and wife. Nothing special going on for the night, just the usual. I get a ride request. It's to pick up in a kind of lower income apartment complex. No big deal. I arrive and find my passenger. He has all his belongings. Several boxes of stuff. Now, my car is a 2006 Chevy Impala, so it's not too big. We get his stuff loaded up, barely, and are on our way. During the ride, he's crying, saying his girlfriend was cheating on him, and how he had walked on them earlier that night. He couldn't stay there because it was her name on the lease, so I was taking him to a hotel. Now, in my city, we have a street that is well known for having vices, hookers, drugs, gangs, weapons, and shady motels. The works. We get to the motel, and he asks me to wait for him to check in and get his key. No problem, man, I say. I'll confess, I break the rules a little when it comes to lift. I have a gun hidden in my concealed holster, secured to the underside of my driver's seat for protection. Reason being... Driving Lyft and other contract apps, I've had knives and guns pulled on me, as well as people tried to fight me, rob me, and all kinds of other things. But like I said, another time. 
This motel was on that street I mentioned before. Homeless people were everywhere. There was a dude on the far corner of the complex that still had a needle in his arm, passed out against the building. I'm a big fan of true crime and horror narrations, so I'm on edge. He gets his key. The whole motel is ground level, so to help this guy out, I drove to his door. As I mentioned, he had a lot of stuff, so I started to help him unload it. While on my second trip of getting stuff, I saw a guy come out of his room, just to the south of my car, followed by two ladies. They came up to the room I was next to, not my passengers. One of the ladies pounded on the door, then opened it. That's when I saw the guy raise a fucking shotgun up out of his long coat and storm into the room. The two ladies followed him, slamming the door behind them. Following that, I heard a lot of shouting and yelling. I was just waiting for the shots to ring out. Out of nowhere, my passenger comes up behind me. I can take care of this man. Go ahead and take off. Have a Merry Christmas. And he gave me a cash tip. I don't even notice if he took the box out of my hands or slid a $5 bill in my pocket. I was frozen. I knew what may have been going down in that room. I had to leave, or at least get to where I could get my gun. I know that the guy and both ladies saw me, and I know they knew I saw the gun. I had to get out of there. You know, no witnesses. I got in my car and sped away quickly. I got a block or so away and called the cops. I gave them every detail. After I got off the phone with the police, I signed out a lift. I hadn't made much money, but I was done. I got a call later that night. The cops investigated. They never found the gunman or the woman, and there was no answer at the door that they came out of. The occupants of the room that they had went into said nothing had happened, and that was full of shit. I know what I saw. I'm a frequent reader, but first-time poster. I'm a 26-year-old female living in a big city. I work every day, even during the pandemic, and take public transportation to work. So I've dealt with my fair share of men aggressively trying to talk to me, or even sometimes just looking for a fight. I put down a deposit on my own apartment, finally, so I was across the city dropping off my deposit. It started pouring, so instead of making the journey home on the bus, one transfer and a lot of walking, and I didn't have a raincoat, I decided to call a lift. My driver gets there, pulls up, and is motioning me to get in. I see he's not wearing a mask, so when he rolls down the window, I say, Oh yeah, I'm just waiting to get in, so can you put your mask on? He said, What the fuck it looks like in my hand? I was taken aback and said, Oh, I know. I'm just waiting for the both of us. He hesitated for a second. They gave me a look so angry. I don't even know if I've ever experienced anything like this from a stranger. Pure anger. Like if I was in front of him, he would have killed me. I swear, it was that intense. He then said, Do you think I need you to fucking tell me to put it on? I said, Uh, no, I'm just waiting. He gave me a look again, sped off, not before calling me a Fucking see you next Tuesday. Of course, I reported him to Lyft, but the best part of the story is the strangers that backed me up. One woman said to me, I saw what was going on. That was fucked up. I had your back. And then two older men who waited with me while I cried for my next ride, providing words of comfort. 
Not everyone is bad, but the shitty ones are truly shit. My mom brought up an interesting point as well, that since I probably got this guy fired, he's gonna have even more of that violent rage. And does he have my name and address? I'm not sure if he could get it back from Lyft. Something very scary that happened to me at LAX airport and I didn't realize the gravity until this morning. Following my gut instinct saved our lives. My husband and I were in California seeing my grandma and grandpa. We were waiting for a Lyft driver to come and pick us up and take us to my grandpa's house when a man with a Lyft sticker pulled up to where we were. The designated rideshare pickup told us that he was ready for new riders and that he could take us now and that when we were in his car, he would just add the route. I started considering it as he was just right there and the convenience was nice. He even took the phone from my hands to try to cancel the lift we had already ordered. But it seemed weird to me and my gut was screaming, no, don't go. He got upset and said we wasted his time. Big eye roll he got. He got in his car and drove away. As he did, I took a photo of his license plate I immediately emailed Lyft. They did an investigation this morning and I got an email back saying the license plate has never been used in their system and that they are happy that I didn't go with a man. Similar things in Los Angeles have gotten people killed. Guys, my gut instinct probably saved our lives. Sorry this is a bit long. I know this isn't a therapist office, but this has been bothering me for a long time and I wanted to get it off my chest. This happened June 2018 in Portland, Oregon. I understand that I acted like an idiot in this situation. Since then, I have become more observant, cautious, and honestly, much more paranoid. I went dancing with friends and was really drunk by midnight. Unfortunately, this was back when I had little money and I realized you could save money by eating very little before going out and it would take far fewer drinks to get drunk. So I was so drunk, I barely remember my friend ordering me an Uber ride home. My phone was dead, of course. I vaguely recall them helping me into the car and telling me to get home safe. I don't remember greeting the driver or the first minute or so. Soon after getting in, he asked me how my night was and if I smoked. Honestly, I was just thinking about bed at this point, so I sort of just slurred out that I did sometimes. He offered me a joint, and this is the first moment I sort of get nervous and begin paying attention. I'd tell him something like, I'm really tired and just want to go home. I think he said something about it being an indica-based joint and it made great for sleep. Once again, I say something not exactly like no, but not a yes, which he takes as a yes, I'll take it the joint now. Once again, I'm still drunk enough I can barely see straight or speak clearly. So when he says, okay, well I have to cancel the ride real quick because I can't give it to you while I'm on the clock or something to that effect. It takes me a second to realize how dangerous that was. And by the time I start to say something, he has canceled the ride and pulls over. We were in an area just east of the Hawthorne Bridge, I think, and it was totally secluded. Some empty parking lots, 
a close by auto body shop with no one in sight, it started to hit me. I'm now in a car, not with an Uber driver, but with some stranger. I can't call anyone and he's trying to give me weed that could have anything in it. For the next minute or so, we're pretty quiet or I just can't remember any small talk he tried to make because I was beginning to panic and every time he handed me the joint, I would take fake hits, just breathing into my mouth and not into my lungs. I felt tired, clumsy, and weak. That kind of drunk where you're almost at the point of nausea and I knew I couldn't do much of anything to defend myself at that point. I remember vividly being fixated for a moment on the fact that I didn't even have a pair of keys to defend myself with as my building uses fobs for just about everything and I didn't take my mail key with me. As I'm freaking out, I look up to see this guy sort of noticing and I make eye contact with him in the mirror. He was staring at me but I couldn't read his expression. Finally, he says something along the lines of, well, let's get out of here. I tell him I'll just call another Uber home, thinking at this point it might be safer to walk. And he says, no, I still have your address. I'll take you home. For a moment, I was relieved. I guess I wanted to believe him badly that I was going to get home safe. I tried to calm myself down, thinking he hadn't actually done anything threatening. Maybe he was just your typical stoner guy, and I was overreacting. At this time, I lived on the PSU campus in downtown Portland, in the southwest area of the city. He was driving me north, on the east side of the river. There are several bridges to our left, and as he keeps moving north, he has several opportunities to take the exit and hop over the river to get me back downtown. He keeps skipping all of them. We keep passing bridge after bridge that could get me home. Up in northeast Portland, there are some large industrial areas that can get very isolated at night. And Portland in general is surrounded by a lot of forests, so I knew he could take me to a secluded area really quickly. After he passes like the fourth exit for a bridge, pretty sure it was Broadway Bridge, I've been racking my brain for a way to make him actually take me home and say something to the effect of, hey, my boyfriend is waiting for me at home, which was true, though I said it in a very meek way. The driver says nothing, but did take the next exit bridge and basically hung a giant U-turn and started taking me home. Even as we were on the west side of town heading south, I was still shaking and my hands were on the door handle, thinking about just hopping out of the car at a red light the closer we got to my apartment. My phone is completely dead, and he honestly still had several chances to hop onto a nearby highway and speed off out of the city. We're getting pretty close to my apartment now, and I'm once again trying to convince myself that I'm being paranoid about a stoner that can't navigate the city. Although a few minutes before, I was so scared I was crying. So once we get about two blocks from my apartment, I lie and tell him it's easiest to stop here and he can let me out. Again, he doesn't say anything, but does slow the car. I'm flooded with relief and even feel myself smile. But when I go to open the door, it's locked. I try to lift the lock mechanism manually, but it won't budge. I look up at him instinctively to see what's up 
and he's got his head turned almost fully around towards me, his shoulders still facing the road, smiling at me. The worst fucking smile I've ever seen. I just started to cry and asking him to open the door. I was so freaked out and still very drunk, and thank God he did. I will never forget the sensation of vulnerability, not just being drunk in a car with no way to contact anyone, but even as I got out of the car, I kept feeling like he would somehow grab the back of my shirt and pull me back in, as silly as that sounds. When I got home, I found out that my boyfriend had actually gone out with his friends at the last minute and wasn't even home. He wouldn't have even known until much later if I had got him back safe. The next day, I convinced myself that I was freaking out over nothing, which I realized still could be the case. But in my gut, I had truly felt in danger the night before. Technically, this guy could have been totally harmless, but I still think I should have texted my friend and reported him. The big thing that made me think of this was recently hearing about how Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, would go for practice runs, picking up hitchhikers and seeing if he could get the passengers, potential victims, to trust him and how far out of his comfort zone he could push them without them saying anything. Obviously this guy wasn't Ed, but I hate wondering if that night was a practice run of some sort for my Uber driver. So I'm temporarily driving for Uber while we're slow at my salon due to the virus. Today I picked up an older guy, at least my dad's age, 53. Things started out fine with small talk. Then he mentioned how I'm the cutest Uber driver he's had. Mind you, I had a nappy bun straight out of bed. No eyebrows today. My natural brows are very light and a mask on. He proceeds to ask me if I have a boyfriend, to which I reply, No, I have a girlfriend. So he tells me about his son that's gay and shows me a pic. So I ask if he's married. He then tells me that he's not married anymore, but he was, and his kids' ages, very close to mine. And then he tells me that he has a girlfriend and that they're swingers. Not sure why he mentioned the swinger part. Then it got weird. Right before we get to a stop, he started asking if I was completely lesbian, and I told him yes, and he asked why. I simply said that I didn't like any part of being in a relationship with men. He asked me to pull into the back of a building where there were no other people, just a bunch of parked 18-wheelers and trailers. When I pulled up into the destination, he asked randomly if he could show me a video with no context. I say sure not thinking anything of it. He shows me a snippet of a homemade porno of him and his girlfriend. I won't say what was in the video, but it was disgusting. He says, isn't that so goddamn hot? You could see all over my face that I was uncomfortable. And at this point, we were already at his location and he wouldn't get out. He continued to try to ask me inappropriate questions saying, well, what's the difference between a strap-on and the real thing? And at that point, I was like, I gotta go. Thankfully, he got out on his own without me having to be hostile. 
I was trying to avoid being hostile because we were in my car alone and he was a tall man and I'm very petite. With all the crazy people in the world, I didn't want to take a chance of upsetting him and it turning violent. Before he shuts my door, he says, I'd love to talk some more. If that's okay with you, don't tell your girlfriend what I showed you. I said bye, have a good day, and drove off. I reported him to Uber, and they have been in touch with me. My wife and I had recently moved into our first house, and we had just had our first baby. To make some extra money, I started driving for Uber a few times a week. Anyway, I got a hit and started driving to the pickup location, which turned out to be an extended stay America Hotel. I've picked up people from these sorts of locations before, and some of them had been very unique individuals. I pull up out front. The notification was sent to his phone that I had arrived. I waited for a minute or two at the front entrance where I presumed he was going to be emerging. The sun had only just started to set, so the visibility was pretty good. A man emerged. When I say emerged, I literally mean that he must have taken a running jump because he bursted through the bushes and tree line and landed two-footed. He was around 40, slim built, and had a spring in his step, which was noticeable. He wasn't dirty or unkempt in any way, so I presumed that he was just having a smoke or something. He had awful teeth and his skin was pale. Either way, him emerging from the bushes so dramatically was strike one. He got in the car and we greeted each other. He was immediately very chatty and started telling me about all aspects of his life without me asking or letting me get a word in. He told me that he had just got back from a business trip, that he had been kicked out of his house because he had been away on business for so long. No, he wasn't. We were on the way to his house so he could pick up a few things and head back. Delightful. He started asking me about myself, but between every new question, he would ask me again what my name was, to which I told him over and over again. He was in the back seat and I could feel him really close behind me, breathing heavily as I answered the questions in a guarded but friendly way. It sounds strange, but I am sure that he was sniffing me. When he started to twitch, it dawned on me that he was tweaking, not terribly, but enough where it was pretty noticeable, if you were aware of the signs. Strike two. We arrived at his house and I pull up in the driveway. He says that he won't be long and he'll give me a good tip when I take him back to the hotel. He gets out, I leave the car on. Lo and behold, he doesn't seem to have a key. After trying the basement entryway, a few windows and kicking the door multiple times, he storms up to the outdoor staircase to the ground floor main entrance. He starts aggressively trying to force the door while hurling a tirade of abuse at whoever he thought was responsible for his situation. A guy suddenly appears from the side of the house, presumably from the bushes, and he shouts that he told him to never show his face here again and to give him his money. Within seconds they are full on fighting in front of my car. 
There's a large thud as the grappling duo land on the hood of my car and roll on the ground. I zone out for a second, thinking how the actual hell I found myself in this situation. At this point, they are rolling around on the driveway, fighting in front of my car. The actual homeowner must have been winning because suddenly the man I had picked up started screaming at the top of his lungs, Uber driver, help me! Uber driver, why don't you help me? Over and over. The look of exasperation I must have had on my face. How could this dude not know my name? He asked me like 30 times. Strike three. I calmly put my car into reverse and drove the hell out of there. I looked into my rearview mirror and they were still brawling. I have no idea what happened to the Uber passenger or the homeowner, but I went straight home and was thoroughly creeped out. I've been driving for Lyft ever since. When I was in college, I found myself Ubering to make money. This is Southern California, and LA at the time was a constant flow of work. Occasionally, you'd pick up people in a nice area, and they would tell you that they were sleeping with someone in a relationship, or that themselves were cheating. This was depressingly common. I think that saying what they were doing to someone gave them a weird kind of relief. Once I drove someone from Hollywood to Hemet, California, he was very charming and funny. When I dropped him off, it was a big blue building that they buzzed us into. He left me a $200 cash tip. I later found out that this was known as Gold Base for the Church of Scientology. If you don't know what that is, it's a completely normal, not weird at all in any way, location owned by the Church of Scientology. Feel free to Google it. A few months into my Uber career, insurance companies started using rideshare service and some people who were more down on their luck would use it. Sometimes this was people just trying to get their kids to school, but sometimes it was much more sad. I can't tell you how much times I showed up to the doctor's office to see someone with accessibility limitations faces drop at seeing my tiny car instead of a van like they needed. The people with substance problems were interactions that would stay with you. Once I picked up a man going to a dental appointment, I drove him for about a half an hour. He told me how he used to run drugs in the 90s until they caught him with a few pounds of coke. He told me about when he was moved from Nevada to Florida for trial. How he traveled handcuffed in a van how the cops would stop only once a day at McDonald's and for their $1 menu item of the day. He asked me to stop at a liquor store and he chucked a teeny bottle of booze, shoved a mint in his mouth, then sipped on a soda. He smelled like pure alcohol when I dropped him off at the dentist. Near my house was a methadone clinic. I would get up before dawn to be able to take those rides Early bird gets a worm. Almost always they were sweet and thankful. Sometimes they were a little out of it, but I never felt like I was in danger or anything like that. Just good people going through tough times. These rides were the most consistently depressing. People who were going to court clearly drunk or high. Older women who had trouble requesting a ride 
and had been waiting in the parking lot of their dialysis place into the night. They'd tell me their stories sometimes. A person who was going to court for a child custody case, people struggling with mental illness. Some mornings were exhausting. Being up that early, you'd hit another crowd that I never anticipated, funeral goers. The saddest funeral ride was when a man and a woman got into the back seat. Rather than speaking to me, the man handed me a neon printout of a map of the cemetery with instructions on what plot to go to with, Hello, I am attending my father's funeral. My wife and I are deaf. Please follow these directions written on the back of it. The whole ride, I could hear them signing to one another and trying not to cry. There were also a lot of retired gamblers. They'd leave their houses at 7 in the morning, take a $70 Uber out to the desert, and spend the whole day gambling at the reservation casinos. The desert is where I saw the weirdest things. The desert was the only place I ever felt scared driving. It was in Temecula, the wine country of Southern California. Lots of wooded roads and desert. I picked up a lady just off the freeway at what I initially assumed was at the edge of a golf resort, but it was an unpaved access road. It was late and the area was especially dark. I was getting ready to call the passenger when I saw them coming down the unpaved access road. It was a tall blonde woman with a very nice pantsuit. She was absurdly put together considering how she had just walked God knows how long in heels down a dirt rock road. She got into my car and she was very pleasant. She told me that she lived in a gated community that was hard for Ubers to get to and that it was easier to send me to the access road. I thought it was weird, but I didn't want to be creepy asking about where she lived. She was friendly, chatty even. She was going to a dinner party and as she spoke to me, I could feel her looking at me in the rearview mirror the entire ride. We drove a half hour away from the freeway to one of those rural neighborhoods that you would hear celebrities had huge parties at. Eventually, we reached the address, which was a paved road lined with trees. She told me to keep driving, and I didn't think much of it. Again, we were in a mansion-style neighborhood. We hit a white ranch style fence after a minute or so going down the road. That was when I started feeling a bit uneasy. There were around a dozen no trespassing signs and one of those classic forget the dog, beware of the owner signs with a guy pointing a pistol at you. I thought it was more than a little blunt to have that many signs, but hey, not my property. We drove for a minute when we came to another fence. It was at the top of a hill and overlooked a barn with some lights in the distance. I know this sounds weird, but it was unpleasant. I couldn't put my finger on it. It was just a barn with what looked like a barbecue going on. But being out in the woods without any lights had me freaked out. The passenger told me that I could just slide the gate open. As I approached the fence, I saw signs that made me stop cold. Off to the side of the gate, not quite in the dark, but on the fringe of my headlights, there were metal signs with bullet holes through them, 
swastikas, and Confederate flags brightly displayed. SoCal has a lot of white supremacist pockets. I had dropped off dozens of passengers in cities like Norco and driven down streets where people were drinking in the garage and Nazi flags proudly hung behind them. It wasn't my favorite, but I wasn't spending any time in those neighborhoods more than I needed to. This was different though. It was after 11pm at night and I had no idea where I was. I opened the gate and down the road I saw what I assumed were cell phone flashlights lighting up and coming up the incline. This made me very uncomfortable. I went back and told the woman I didn't think my car could make it back up the hill if I went down it. What are you talking about? Just take me. It's right there. She was getting more heated and I could see the lights slowly making their way up the hill. She kept telling me I needed to cancel the ride and she wouldn't pay to not be taking the entire way. I told her the pin I was supposed to take her to was miles back up the road, but I was so nervous I relented and canceled on my end. She slammed the door as she got out. I took off before I could see the cell phone light people get closer. The road back was much rougher at the speed I was going at. I felt a bump that felt like I hit a body, but I kept going. My car was driving like shit, but I kept driving till I passed the fence out of that rich neighborhood until I stopped at the gas station. My right rear tire was fucked up and I needed to change it. There were a few nails that looked like they had been attached to a piece of wood in my tire. I was freaked out so hard and sometimes I wish I called the cops and reported it. But of course all that happened was I got a flat on a back road and didn't want to spend the rest of my night waiting on the cop car. I know it's far more likely that I freaked myself out than a bunch of Nazis planning to mess with some random Uber driver, but when I picked up a well-dressed businesswoman from a remote location and dropped her off at a separate remote location, it gave me chills that I have trouble explaining to this day. Longtime lurker and reader, and finally decided to share my own creepy encounter. From late 2018, I worked at the grocery store in the deli department, and I would also work in the bakery area. Towards the end of the year, I had just gotten out of a two-year relationship. It hit me pretty hard, so I was in a funk because of it. We had just hired a new employee in the deli. We'll call him John. I was scheduled on his first day, so I was one of the employees who had to train him. John seemed nice enough, and he caught on very quickly, which was great. Fast forward to our next shift, I was pretty close with another coworker. We'll call her Jane. Jane knew what had been going on with my breakup and would come check on me often. John overheard this interaction. He came up to me on break and apologized for what was going on and was generally being sweet about the whole thing. I appreciated it, so I thanked him. I didn't think at this point that he was trying to be weird, but if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have entertained it in the slightest. After our next shift together, it was raining pretty heavily. A rainy day in mid-November where I live is typically pretty cold. At the time, John didn't have a car, but he was within walking distance, about 10 minutes away from work. Side note, my fatal flaw back then was that I was way too nice to people. 
I offered to give him a ride home since it was pouring rain and freezing. The ride home was fine. He thanked me and told me that he would see me tomorrow. This is where shit starts to hit the fan. John began flirting with me, making sexual jokes, and would do that thing where he would grab my hips and rub his junk against me to get past, often in front of customers. He also got my number from my boss, and his claiming for needing it was, she's the only one that can cover my shift on this certain day. He would text me constantly and proclaim his love for me and tell me that he would treat me better than my ex did. We would usually have three people work in the deli and on shifts with John when our third would go on break, he would take that as an opportunity to harass me more. At the time, I was very soft-spoken and scared out of my mind to speak up about it or stand up for myself. I ended up putting in my two weeks, but not before sending a text along the lines of, Fuck you. You're gross. Lose my number and never talk to me again. He texted me back apologizing and inviting me over as he wanted to talk to me face to face to make up for it. As I said, my fatal flaw back then was that I was way too nice to people. In my head, I thought I must have gotten through to him. I mentioned it to my friend, who we'll call Eve. Eve was very adamant that I tell him no and to leave me alone. Unfortunately, I chose not to listen to her advice. Instead, I told him that I appreciated the apology and that I would come to talk to him. But I was going to bring Eve with me as I didn't trust being alone with him at his house. He agreed. Eve was very reluctant, but insisted I bring her along if I absolutely had to go, just in case. We drove to John's house, and when we arrived, he didn't come out. I remember texting him a few question marks. And after having no reply, I turned around and left. He then texted me apologizing, saying to come back and talk to him in his car. Against Eve's judgment, I turned around. I pulled back into the driveway and got an instant feeling of dread. Something absolutely did not feel right. I threw the car in reverse, but before I had a chance to move, his dad and two brothers hopped out of the car and surrounded me. They began pounding on my windows, trying to get me to open the doors and stood behind my car so I couldn't leave. Eve and I are obviously scared out of our minds at this point. I got a surge of adrenaline and didn't care who was behind me. I floated out of the driveway and sped off. Nobody was hit. I pulled into the parking lot of my work to collect myself and pulled my phone out to block his number. I then noticed a car speeding to the parking lot of my work and they tried to surround me again. I don't know how I managed to get us out of there, but I did. I then began getting calls from random numbers, I assume his dad and brothers, and they began threatening to kill me and saying that they were armed and planned on shooting my tires. They followed us for quite some time and Eve even called the police. We were instructed to pull into the nearby gas station where an officer was already waiting. I did make a report, but they told me that Ultimately, there's nothing that they could really do or that could be done. I did end up reporting this to my manager, who told me that they couldn't really do anything either, as it happened off company property, which is only half true. I didn't stay my full final two weeks. John continued to harass me for months after this, and law enforcement refused to help. Their excuse was, there's nothing that they could do unless he acted on his threats. Whenever I would visit the area, he would somehow always find me and follow me till I would get on the highway. 
I admit that it's mostly my fault for being so trusting and thinking that John actually wanted to speak with me and be civil. I should have listened to Eve from the get-go. It isn't my fault for being sexually harassed, but I shouldn't have been so trusting because I could have avoided a majority of this problem. It's been nearly two years since this happened and I have not heard from nor seen John since. I hope it stays that way. This is a story of a coworker I had a long time ago, so I can look back at it now and laugh, but at the time, it was really distressing for me. To give some context, every summer I would do some temp work for this company where my dad worked. It was an education company, so they needed some temp workers around July and August for all of the exam remarks that they had to come in. It was data entry work, but it suited me fine, and it meant I could have a little extra cash while I was at university. I did this every summer from when I was 19 right through to when I was 23, and then I got another job at the same company a bit after I graduated, but we'll get into that later. For now, all you need to know that I was a reasonably familiar face there, and everyone knew I was my dad's daughter. The main downside of working there was I'd clock out for work at 5pm, then I'd have to wait for my dad to finish work. Since he was the head of the entire department, he'd end up staying a bit later. Every day I would bring a book and sit at the little foyer area between his department and the department where I worked, since it had the most comfortable chairs. I'd just cut my hair short for the first time in my life and I had dyed it red as well. As I was sitting on the couches reading, all of a sudden a guy approaches me. Let's call him Leon. He tells me that he works in my dad's apartment and thought that he would come in and introduce himself. This was a pretty common occurrence for me and I was aware of this guy. He was young and decent looking, so a few women in the department had a crush on him. I was dating someone at the time though and never really actually seen him in person, but I could see what they saw in him. We got to chatting and he mentioned that I changed my hair, so I told him about cutting it short and he cut me off mid-sentence. This is where it started getting weird. He said, no, first it was brown and you didn't have fringe, then you went through the phase of curling it, then you did the fringe and dyed it red. After that you dyed it purple, now you have it cut short and dyed back to red. This guy I had just met was describing two years worth of hairstyle changes that I had I felt creeped out, but he seemed like a nice enough guy and I guess he had worked at the company throughout the entire time. So it was reasonable to assume that he had noticed me before. This should have been my first red flag. He asked me if I had Facebook and I told him that I did, so he said he would add me. That seemed pretty normal, but then, after he sent me the friend request, he asked me to get my phone out so he could watch me accept the friend request. I'm British and therefore it's impossible for me to be impolite so I got out my phone and showed him that I had accepted it. I thought that might calm him down. Bear in mind he wasn't a bad looking guy so I still felt flattered at this point that he was keen to me. The sense of flattery dissolved real fast. After the Facebook thing he kept asking me if I had MSN and I told him that I didn't. I swear, throughout this conversation he asked me if I had MSN about four times. Then the final time he asked, he was like, please can you get an MSN so we can chat after work? It was like he had something really urgent he wanted to tell me, but I had only just met him in person. 
I kind of laughed it off and told him that I hadn't used MSN since I was a teenager without necessarily rejecting him. Then he says something like, well, if you don't have MSN, then do you have Skype? This seemed like the perfect opportunity to bring up my boyfriend, who was a foreign student and was back home in his country during the summer. He was the only person I spoke to on Skype. I said to Leon how I didn't have my own Skype account, but I used my dad's account to talk to my boyfriend. I really thought this might ward him off. I was wrong. Without missing a beat, he said, Can you please just get your own Skype account so we can chat after work? He said it like somehow I was inconveniencing him. Like this was something we agreed to do months ago or something. I had no idea how to react, so I just sort of smiled and laughed. Then, thank the heavens, someone from my dad's department walked past at that moment and was like, Leon, aren't you meant to be at your desk? He scurried off pretty quickly after that, but not before reminding me to get my own Skype account and send him the details. I told my dad about the whole exchange, the car ride home, but all he said was that Leon was very friendly and a lot of the women in the department liked him, so maybe I just misunderstood the situation. I thought he was probably right, so I tried to not let it bother me. Later that evening, however, I was on the computer doing university work when a message popped up on my Facebook. It was Leon. All the message said was, We like the same movies. I don't know what it was, but something about that message freaked me out so much. I decided not to respond and log off Facebook, hoping that he wouldn't notice that I'd been online. The next day, after work, I sat in my usual spot when Leon comes over to me. His face was like thunder. At first, I thought he was just having a bad day and was walking through the hallway. But my heart dropped when I realized he was walking directly towards me. Why didn't you respond to my Facebook message? I was stunned. How was I supposed to respond to that? Who says stuff like that in real life? Lucky for me, I didn't have an opportunity to respond because he started off on a tirade. I'm not even kidding. He started listing all the movies that we had in common that he had seen on my Facebook profile. Batman, The Dark Knight, Watchmen, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Fight Club. I just sat there watching him reel off all these film titles. Once he finished, all he said was, It's okay, I forgive you. And then walked back off to his department. Over the next couple weeks, he came and found me in my spot every day and talked to me from the moment I sat down to the moment my dad came to get me. I don't remember many of the other exchanges, but I do remember distinctly one day pretending to pick my nose when I saw him coming to see if it would put him off. It didn't. It got to the point where I'd get so stressed out after work that I'd go hide in the toilets for as long as I could. But the women I worked with started to notice and thought I was weird. Eventually, I broached the subject with my dad and he gave me his car keys after my shift so that I could go hide out in his car rather than in the building. So I camped out in his car and I'm still feeling quite tense but after 20 minutes, I start to feel at ease. Surely, he wouldn't come looking for me out here. Wrong. I look over at the main entrance and my heart drops. He's coming to the front door and he's scrutinizing all of the cars. I sank down as far as possible into my seat, but I wasn't fast enough and he saw me. He comes rushing off and starts tapping on the glass, so I open the door and ask him what's up. 
I didn't see you in your usual spot, but luckily the doorman told me he saw you come out here. Why are you in your dad's car? Again, what are you supposed to say to that? I told him that I had a headache, so I came out to the car to take some meds and to see if I could get some sleep. At least he respected that, because he told me to feel better, and then left me alone. I breathed a sigh of relief, knowing that I was only going to be working there for a few more days before I would go back to university. I told my dad about the car incident, and he gave Leon a talking to the next day. Leon would still come find me in the foyer, but he would only talk to me a few minutes in passing before he would leave me alone. It was a big relief. On my last day of working there, I was fully expecting him to do something crazy, but he didn't even come to chat with me that day. I left the office and thought I would never see him again. I found out that he was fired not long after I left the company that year because he kept coming into work late and spent most of his time chatting with his co-workers and me apparently. Fast forward to January 2014 and I'm preparing to move to China for a position teaching English. I had graduated from university and was working at the same company, but this time in a semi-permanent capacity. It was my last day of work, so I received a few gifts and some fuss from my coworkers. It was about 10 a.m. when who should I see walk through the door but Leon. He had been hired as a temp to do the job that I had done for so many years. As soon as he walked through the door, he saw me and this flash of recognition crossed his face. I wanted to slide under my desk and die. He comes walking over to me and was all smiles, asking about how I was and what I was still doing with the company. At this point, one of my co-workers had mentioned about how I was off to China soon. Leon seized on that and started talking about his friend, who was also interested in teaching English as a foreign language. So I got to talking about how I got my qualifications, who I went through, and what company I was working for out in China. We chatted for about 20 minutes and he wrote some details for his friend, then went off to work. At the end of the day, I was picking up all my stuff, ready to leave, and a few co-workers were coming over to say their goodbyes. Don't get me wrong, the Leon incident aside, I had a wonderful time working at this company, and I made a lot of great friends. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Leon approaching, but I think, what's the harm? He'll say his goodbye and wish me good luck on my new adventure. Then, I'm literally walking out the door of the department, and I hear him call out, See you in China. For the first two weeks of my teaching training over there, I was like a hawk, keeping a constant lookout for this guy. He never did follow me out to China, but it still remains one of the creepiest encounters of my life. The year was 1994 and I was a freshman in high school. My family had just relocated to Michigan and we moved on to a private golf course in a small town outside of Detroit. For some reason, I really wanted to get a job and the restaurant in the neighborhood clubhouse was hiring a dishwasher. Since it was a stone's throw away from my house, my parents okayed me to be able to work there in the late evenings after school. A little bit about the teenage me. I was a super sensitive kid and my feelings were easily hurt if I was talked down to. I was also a rule follower and extremely submissive to authority figures, which apparently made me an easy kid to raise, according to my parents. Anyway, given that this was my first job, while having no confidence and paper-thin skin, 
I was destined to not last very long under the high pressure of the restaurant industry. I was doomed to fail, but I still went for it. Sure enough, the chaotic pace of working in a high-end kitchen quickly overwhelmed me and I found myself having a hard time keeping up. On top of that, my boss was an absolute tyrant. I basically felt horribly crushed as he screamed at me to keep up during the dinner rush. I was as much of a mess on the inside as the mess I was trying to clean up. But the worst part about it was after the restaurant would close, I'd have to stay for an hour or so alone with him to close up. No one was around, just him and me. During this time, he would continue to yell at me and at best roll his eyes if I needed help. Even as sensitive as I was, I kind of knew his rage wasn't a personal thing though. He was just a disturbed individual. One night that I had off, I caught an episode of the TV show, America's Most Wanted. I don't know if it's still on, but they would basically do segments of criminals that were on the run from the FBI. Sometimes they would have real photos of the fugitive, but other times there would just be a police sketch. During one of these segments, a sketch came up of a subject that eerily looked similar to my boss. They said that he had murdered several victims on the west coast and that he was last seen a while back. They also identified him with a different name, which kind of put me at ease for a moment. But the drawing looked a lot like him and the description of his height, weight, and other attributes fit him to a T. I convinced myself maybe it was just a look-alike, but I had that weird twisting and turning in my gut that maybe it was actually him. I was about to quit my job anyway. So it didn't really matter, I guess. The next day, I went into work and he was a no-show. He ended up leaving town and no one ever heard from him again. He vanished like a David Copperfield magic trick. Another 90s reference. We didn't have internet at the time, so there wasn't an opportunity to immediately jump on social media to investigate. I don't remember reading anything in the newspaper, but the rumors of his disappearance definitely went around town. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I also don't remember anything else about him. I can't recall his name or even his face, just the creepy experience. Who knows if it was actually him or not, but to think I may have been alone with the angry murderer as a teenager is a tad bit uneasy to say the least. Before I begin, this guy has been fired and this story took place months and months ago. Alright, so I was hired to work at this auto shop as a front desk receptionist. My guy friend had worked there and had gotten me the job. I'd check customers in, check them out, answer phones, enter invoices, blah blah blah. Now at the time that I got hired, I was freshly 15. I do in fact act mature for my age, but I was still technically a child. I was also the only girl working there. Now, my two managers, let's call Peter and Alvin. Peter was the main boss and had a dry sense of humor, but he was cool to be around. Alvin was more openly humorous and he was just very pleasant in general. And then there was this third guy. I'll call him Chester because I hate that name. He was 40 with a girlfriend as well as a 13 year old daughter. He was very exuberant, very loud. He was quite funny. He was a dumbass too, but this isn't the right sub for that. It started off decent. He would tease me like a boy on the playground, 
pull my hair, poke me, etc. Now, I laid my rules down when I first worked there. I hate being touched. That's that. Now, Chester would get as close to me as humanly possible and say, I'm not touching you. It was annoying, but I just laughed it off, although I felt uncomfortable. Then he started with the sexual jokes. When we were alone up front, he would go into talking about his sex life and pop a bunch of sexual jokes. My brain was automatically like, this ain't right, and I kind of just put on my customer service voice whenever I was around him. Then one day, I baked the whole garage cookies. When I dropped them off, he came really close to me and sniffed me. You smell good, and your hair looks nice this way. What the fuck? Nah, nope, don't like that. When I went back to work, he was going on and on about the cookies I made. He said, I know cookies is another term for something inappropriate, but I really like your cookies. Why even add that? And now my breaking point. He had started brushing his fingers against my leg while I'm sitting down or just trying to flirt with me in general. When I came into work one day, he grabbed me into a hug and my mind blinked. He grabbed me. Like grabbed me into a hug so I couldn't escape. I pushed him back away from me. Alvin had rounded the corner and had seen what happened and he looked a little uneasy. I went around the other side of the counter away from Chester and I said, I don't like being touched dude, don't hug me. And he said, well touch is how I show my affection. So not only did he ignore my attempt to tell him to stop, he also admitted to literally giving affection to a 15 year old. I later heard from a friend that works at the garage that Chester talked about the way I looked a lot and how I looked older than I am, but he doesn't want to start anything because his daughter was two years younger. Start what, bitch? Chester was ugly as hell, by the way. So Alvin had seen him grab me. The dudes in the garage heard him talk about me, and I knew this dude was creepy as hell. A guy in the garage, let's call him Steve, pulled Alvin aside and told him that he was worried for me. He told him that Chester had been saying how he likes to be flirting with me. Before this point, Alvin had just thought that he was being overprotective because he has daughters himself, and maybe he was just having a father instinct. When Steve told him that, it basically confirmed his suspicions. Chester was gross. I ended up speaking to Alvin near the end of the day asking to stay after to talk to him about something. We stayed after and I opened up to him about everything that Chester had been doing. Alvin said that what I do is more important than the work that he does. Felt nice that my bosses cared for me like a human and not just an employee. Peter, my boss, texted me to tell me that everything would be okay and that he would be handled. I ended up meeting Peter's dad, who is the big boss, to tell him everything was very much, we've known Chester for a long time, etc. But Big Boss is a good man. He trusted my word more. I told him everything. He even had a camera recording of Chester grabbing me. Chester was fired. The most traumatic thing to me was how Chester talked about me in the garage, like some kind of sex object. It was disgusting and then going back to the fact that he was 40 and that I was only two years older than his daughter. Shit's disgusting. I'm sure that if I wasn't such a confident person, he would have taken advantage of me. He was very much acting like a predator, and I'm very glad that he's no longer a part of the establishment. Guys, teach your daughters to speak the hell up when people make her uncomfortable.
Even the little things, like weird jokes, can turn into something bigger. That's how it is for young women nowadays. Anyways, enforce your boundaries and never let a guy get away with being a creep. Edit. As another thing I'm adding here is that he was very friendly. He was the type of guy that made customers blush and would make parents feel comfortable with a smooth talk. Child grooming isn't always straight up sexual advances right away. They try to get you to trust them, to be their friend, and then they force you into things. Be careful ladies and men, and all in between. So a couple years ago, I worked at a retail store within a shopping center where we would get a lot of strange, creepy, and harassing customers. I don't know what it was about this particular store. Maybe it was the fact that only one person worked at a time, so you'd be alone in a teeny store, and they felt like they could be as creepy as they wanted since no one was around. Flashing workers, etc. Whatever the reason, we had a lot of harassment incidents and would be consistently calling the security. Security at this place kind of sucked, so sometimes they just wouldn't even show up and you'd be stuck on your own trying to get rid of this person. Out of all the incidents, there's one that especially sticks out. One day, while I was on shift, a customer came in asking to look at shoes. He was this older dude, pretty inconspicuous. I said sure and started to walk out from behind the counter to take him to the shoe area. When he stopped me and went, Wait, what's your name? I told him my name. From there, he keeps asking me more questions about myself. At this point, I just thought he was a chatty customer and didn't think too much of it. However, this went on for about 20 minutes and by then, he was asking me about my favorite music and what I like to do on my spare time and if I had a boyfriend. So at that point, I realized he wasn't just being friendly. I kept trying to bring the conversation back to the shoes he wanted, but he wouldn't budge. Eventually, he asked me for my number, and I told him that I wasn't interested. This is when I first started to get uncomfortable, because he wouldn't take no for an answer. I tried the classics, not interested, we can't give out our numbers to customers, etc. But he told me over and over again that he wouldn't leave until he got it. Now, I regret this next part. But in my defense, at this point, I was starting to feel intimidated and didn't have anywhere to go since I was trapped in this tiny store with this guy and security was nowhere to be found. So I said, if I give you my number, will you leave and let me do my job? And he said he would. So I gave him my real number since he said he was going to call right away to check to make sure I gave him my actual number. My thought process was that if he texts me, I'd just tell him again that I wasn't interested and if he persisted, I could just block him. This isn't what ended up happening. He didn't text that night, and I was relieved, assuming maybe he'd just given up, or that he finally had taken a hint. However, the next morning I was preparing the till and setting up things inside the store before opening. I looked through the window, and next to our closed store door, I saw him standing there. This was about 20 minutes before opening time. From that point onwards, he would show up at the store every day at opening and would try to talk to me. Each day, I'd tell him I'm not interested and that he needed to leave. And each day, he would say the same thing along the lines of, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I promise I won't show up here again. 
but he would. He also eventually started texting me every day, multiple times, things like, I know you're not interested, but you need to know how special you are to me. Mind you, at this point, we already had that one 20-minute conversation, and following that, just me constantly telling him to leave the store and stop contacting me. On the days that he would show up to the store when I wasn't working, he'd go in and ask my coworkers when I would be working next, and they would make something up about how I was on a holiday or I wasn't coming back for a while. However, he'd still show up the next day just to make sure and would find me working at the store. Him showing up at the store was a daily occurrence and the text got more and more frequent and intense. He'd talk about how he could never leave me and how no matter what, he'd be in my life forever. I should have just blocked him, but since he knew where I worked, I was scared of how he might react if I did. Security at the store said that they couldn't do anything if he hadn't actually done anything physical to harm anyone. And so I just started avoiding going to work. I'd roster off as much as I could, and I would not take any extra shifts that popped up even if I needed them. It all eventually came to a halt when one of my coworkers got angry at me and said that because of me, she was now scared to come to work. Because what if this guy was violent and crazy and hurt someone? She gave the manager an ultimatum. She was friends with the manager. And basically stated that unless I somehow got rid of him, she would stop working at the store. Being blamed for this situation in combination with the consistent stress of this guy not leaving me alone was a lot and I decided to try one last thing. I, for the first time, responded to one of his texts and basically told him that I would be filling out a police report and giving him all his texts and security footage from the store. The cameras at our store were fake, there was no footage, but he didn't need to know that. I told him that if he ever contacted me again, I would press charges against him. Now I'm pretty sure that there's nothing I could oppress charges for, but again, he didn't need to know that. After that message was seen, I blocked him so he couldn't respond. He never showed up to the store again, but I did see him around now and again, just lurking in the area outside. Even now working at a different store within that same shopping center, I've seen him lurking, but he's never actually tried talking to me. I know I could have handled this situation a whole lot better, and I probably made a lot of silly mistakes along the way but I'm glad that I was able to mostly get rid of him, even if I'm still looking over my shoulder to an extent. Edit. Where I live for stalking or harassment charges, proof of their intention to cause or threaten injury or harm is required. Law enforcement will often throw up their hands with cases where there's been no direct verbal or written threat, which is why I didn't originally go to the police and instead just threatened to. Definitely not the greatest idea on my part, but that threat was one or two years ago, and hindsight is 2020. This is something I've never shared on the internet. So I went to a five-star hotel in Greece for a work experience that my high school planned for us when we were 17. I was just working, partying, and overall doing my thing. Everything was going great until my manager, who was in his late 40s, started being more and more inappropriate. He started following me to the beach, clubs, constantly checking on me, moving closer and closer. By the way, he had a pregnant wife at the time. One day, there were some papers we needed to sign, so he called everyone in, two people at a time. Well, he arranged it in a way that I would be the last and go in by myself. 
Everyone was looking at me weird and kind of concerned since they knew the situation. I reluctantly went into his office. Yep, he locked the door, rolled down the blinds and sat down, then told me to undress. I just laughed nervously and told him no. Then he started to get more and more pushy and was like, okay, then just one clothing item. So I took off my apron and threw it at his face, which honestly could have gone really bad too, but he just started laughing, said okay, then let me out. I was very lucky nothing else happened. I wanted to report him, but unfortunately, it turned out that I wasn't the only one being pressured into things like these, and the management and hotel were all good friends. There was another girl in a similar situation who reported this guy, and no one took her seriously, and after that she was given the shittiest task to do, and received unfair treatment. One night a few months ago, I went on a door dash when my boyfriend and my youngest sister tagged along with us. We delivered some food to this really large home that basically looked abandoned and was pitch black. We left it at the door, but we all noted that something felt strange. As we were pulling out of the driveway, this older woman, probably 60s, wearing a robe, looks out the window of the door where we left the food and then comes outside through a different side door and starts walking down the driveway while motioning for me to come back. So I pull back up, thinking maybe I had the wrong house or something. She walks over to my car and gets really close, like she's touching my car and the driver's side mirror with her body. And mind you, that COVID is really bad in my state, so I definitely didn't feel comfortable with a stranger being that close to me. She had this terrifying look on her face with blank eyes that I can't seem to forget. She says in a slow, creepy voice, Aren't you going to come inside with us? I was trying to be nice and was like, No, ma'am. We left your food on your doorstep for you, though. She got really insistent about us coming inside and asked again with a smile. I declined once again, and thankfully, she took a step back from the car, and I was able to quickly back up without running over her feet, and we got the hell out of there. She stood there smiling and staring the whole time we backed out of the way too long driveway. I have no clue what that was all about, but I always get really hesitant anytime I have to deliver orders to anyone named Melissa now. I used to work at a Southern California ski resort called Mountain High as a snowmaker. One day, there wasn't much work, so they had us do whatever we could to stay busy. When all of a sudden we hear on the radio that there's possibly a dead person in a car. So me and my friend, along with other people that worked there, ran into the parking lot to see if there was really a dead person in their car. As soon as we got there, there was this man who looked in his 20s, possibly Middle Eastern, slumped over against his driver's side door with his hand still on the wheel and the car still on. The ski patrol somehow got his door open and had to try to pry his fingers off the steering wheel as rigor mortis had already set in. His body was stiff as a board as his arms were still in the driving position while he was put on a stretcher. His upper lip was curled exposing his upper teeth which looked super disturbing and creepy. As soon as they pulled him out he shit and pissed everywhere and they took him to the ski patrol room and the ski patrol took turns giving him CPR but they couldn't save him as he was way too dead. They basically just did it for the family because they begged them. 
The most disturbing part is that the family of the man was right there as all this happened, screaming and crying and praying out loud that he would be okay, even though he was obviously dead. It turns out the man had diabetes and went snowboarding with his friends the night before and said that he didn't feel good and went to his car alone but didn't have his insulin and passed out, dying overnight with the heater on and for some reason his friends didn't care to look for him. After this incident, the man's body was put in the generator room overnight since the ambulance for some reason couldn't make it out there. Now whenever I see someone asleep in their car, I always think about that dead man. Hey everyone, so for some context, I work at a Walmart overnight. Our lunch break is at midnight, so I went to grab some food, then sat in my car in the parking lot, which is usually empty during that time, except for my coworkers' vehicles and the occasional person sleeping in their car. I was sitting there eating for a while when I noticed a car began to circle the parking lot four or five times, and the whole time I was very wary of what they were doing. I'm a 19-year-old girl and about 5'3". Eventually, another car, this one was dark gray, showed up and began doing the same. After a couple of minutes, the white one drove in circles around my car twice, and the gray car did the same. Then they both pulled up in the parking spaces on both sides of me, so I said fuck that and put my car to drive so fast. I don't know what they wanted, but it was creepy. Okay, so this happened last night. I'm a female, 19, and I work as a maintenance worker at Walmart, and I work the night shift, 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. I have to go change all the outside parking lot trash cans, and we usually do it in the beginning of my shift when there's still traffic outside from customers and the day crew leaving. Last night, though, was different. I didn't get outside until about 12 to 1 a.m. There's absolutely no one that I can see outside, I start collecting the trash, and when I get to the furthest one from the store, a white fan I hadn't noticed before turns on the high beams, pointing straight at me. It was about 20 feet away, and technically not in our actual Walmart parking lot. This doesn't bother me too bad, and I just keep on going. Then I hear a door open, and look up to see a person getting out of the passenger side and getting to the side sliding door of the van. This is when I start feeling uncomfortable. Next, the van turns its hazards on. I froze up slightly at this point and just stared for a few minutes. Then the hazards turn off and whoever was in the driver's seat starts flashing a flashlight at me as if trying to get my attention. I was already clearly staring at the van. I was frozen until the lights stopped flashing. Then I just got the rest of the trash and got the fuck out of there. I told my manager, even pointed out the van to him, but he said there's nothing you can do as they're not in our parking lot. I have to work again tonight and decided to call the cops if it happens again. Whatever those people in the van were up to, it couldn't be good. I'm a doctor in surgery and one day I got a case of a man, no big deal, some cuts to sew. I won't give details but he was around 30 years old and had a wound that needed 4 stitches on his arm. When I started to clean the wound, strange and creepy compliments had already started. How I got a beautiful doctor. You have beautiful pupils. You are beautiful. You have a nice smell. I just ignored him until he grabbed me by the hips and pulled me towards him. 
I yell, what the hell, and ask him to take his hands off of me and call security. He laughed and asked me why I was so dramatic. I asked him to leave or I was going to report him. And then he got up and said, you know girls like you shouldn't turn down such offers. Your time of beauty is only going to last a short time. I was in shock all day. I told my colleagues about it, but luckily I haven't seen him since and hope I never do. I'm a 25-year-old female, and I work overnight at a store as a stalker. When I first started, a guy around my age got hired a couple months after me. He started hanging around other co-workers and I on break, and we eventually became friends, even hanging out alone on break sometimes. He seemed pretty normal at first, agreeable, and a good conversationalist. He told me that he was autistic, which I think helped me make excuses for him a bit in hindsight. I was in a bad place mentally at the time, and having someone validate me felt nice at first. But then he started getting touchy. I would eventually be telling him more personal stuff, and he would start to rub my back. I didn't want to be rude at first, so I didn't say anything, but then he did it more often. I told him to stop, and he seemed to be sorry, until doing it again eventually. I was alone with him all these incidents, and the look on his face when he did eventually showed predatory vibes, and not like the friend I thought I had. Around the time he started doing this, he also confessed to me something he did in the past to a friend of his. You can probably guess what it's along the lines of. He acted quite remorseful, and said him and his friend are civil now, and that it was a long time ago. I think he even cried a bit. I'm generally a compassionate person who believes in second chances, so while this is when more red flags started going off, I still hung out with him a bit, although more distantly. It didn't help that his general demeanor was one of a pitiful person. Nice act. He hung out with my boyfriend and I a couple times. He lived near us, so we were kind of excited to have someone to hang out with at first, but he just kept on getting weirder and weirder the few times we hung out. He always seemed to be trying to one-up my boyfriend, in a sarcastic manner. There was also a strange time when he did this deep belly laugh at an explicit sexual song playing on his car radio that my boyfriend and I just felt kind of uncomfortable about. He would make it a point not to drink that much around us when we were drinking, despite bragging about how much he could down. He rubbed my back yet again at one point while I was drunk when my boyfriend left the room, trying to pass it off as comforting. He generally tried to be flirtatious whenever my boyfriend left the room. Eventually, enough was enough, and I cut him off, although I still have to work with him. This was last summer. We weren't even friends for that long. Ever since then, he's come in early every night to put out my work stuff for me, leave me food and water and gifts, stuff that I've mentioned in conversations before. Parks near me and waits for me to leave the parking lot so we can drive together, I guess. One time, he waited a half an hour as I was chatting with another co-worker. He waits in front of his house for me to pass by him to get to my house. I have to turn down his road to get to my road. Still says the weird phrases my boyfriend and I use. Text despite being ignored. Left a note saying, You really do hate me. On my work cart, after months of ignoring him. He's written my full initials on my work cart and marker, which he remembers somehow and leaves the same one out for me every day. I always try to erase them, 
even wrote the word stop on it once, but the next day he wrote them again. Whenever he walks by me, he looks sad or pissy. Managers have talked to him and a report is going through HR right now, but I just hope it doesn't escalate. Despite being talked to, he still leaves my card out and stuff for me with some water and rewrites my initials. Update. Nothing really seemed to have happened with HR so far, except for him no longer waiting for me in the parking lot. I guess the manager talked to him about that. I told him to stop leaving my work cards out for me, and he acted like I was being unreasonable. Then he wrote my initials again on my work card while I wasn't looking, as well as a smiley face which it seems he also drew on every window of my car the other day. Guess I left my doors unlocked because one of them was drawn on the inside. He's fucking obsessed. I work part-time at a grocery store, and I usually work the closing shift. At about 30 minutes to closing, a lady comes to my register. She is polite, friendly, and seemed very normal. She pays for her groceries. She leaves. Seemed normal to me. About 10 minutes after we closed, I headed out to my bike. But she stopped me before I could leave the store, claiming that she had left her phone inside and that she needed to get it. She hadn't left her phone though. It would have been at the register and I thoroughly cleaned it as well as the surrounding areas before clocking out. But I offered to go in and check anyways because maybe it could have been dropped on the floor. I wanted to go home, but luckily my manager offered to call her phone, so I headed to my bike to get going. The moment I take the lock off my bike, she drives over to me, making small talk. It's a bit weird, seeing that I'm clearly trying to go home and she doesn't know me at all. She tells me that I have a very cool bike, asking me where I got it. I explain to her that it's electric and that I got it from Amazon. She then tells me that she didn't know they made electric bikes. But then tells me a few minutes later about how she's been looking to get an electric bike for a while now. She asked to take a picture of my bike and then suddenly asks me while I'm still wearing a mask, going on about how it could give me sinus problems. I decide not to take off my mask since she's taking a photo, which I noticed the camera was aimed more so at me than at my bike, even though I stepped away so that she could get a better view of the bike itself. Unknown to me, my manager and another coworker were watching the whole interaction, and after the woman left, went over to ask me if everything was okay. I didn't really think much of it, telling them that I was fine, and that she just wanted to know about my bike. I headed home, but on my way, thought a little bit more about the interaction. She came to the store claiming to have lost her phone, but had it the whole time. She took a picture with it. She kept repeating my name in our conversation as often as she could, almost like she was trying to memorize it. She took a photo of me as well as my mode of transportation, all while trying to get me to take off my mask right before taking the picture, as if to be able to catch my entire face. Sort of creepy. Even weirder was when I turned back to the store to see if she was still there. I saw a police car which, after leaving the parking lot, turned on its sirens and sped off in the direction that the lady left in. Maybe I'm overthinking, but the interaction just seemed really strange. Anyways, let me know if you think I'm overthinking things, or if you'd be creeped out too. When COVID started, I was off for about two months. 
Fortunately, I work for a big company that paid us throughout, but I'm both the type that hates to be cooped up and the type that loves money, so I took a temporary position at a nursing home where my mom worked. Got swabbed, all that. Once I confirmed to be clean, I started the next day. They were desperate for the help. My mom and I didn't really used to see each other often, but when the family would get together, she would tell me stories about residents who would often misbehave. No names, nothing like that. Just funny stories and, in the case of one guy, the scary stories. Now, mom didn't mention any names, but she had mentioned that the particularly creepy guy was considerably younger than the rest of the residents. I should clarify here that she mentioned this well before the idea that I would be working with her. Most of the residents were well into their twilight years, and this guy was in his mid-40s and in the nursing home because of serious illnesses that had each caused brain damage. That said, he was still fully lucid, just unable to properly take care of himself. Still, that didn't stop him from purposely shitting his pants just so that he could have the nurses wipe his genitalia while he said things like, you should give me a blowjob, or are you gonna rub some cream on my balls? He never did this to male nurses. He just sat there silently while they cleaned him up. But it didn't matter if you were a 60 year old female or a 20 year old, he'd be as vulgar as he could, though he did seem to prefer the younger ones. He'd also on occasions try to grab at the nurses it got to the point where they wouldn't allow certain nurses to go into his room alone. Cue my arrival at the home. I don't have medical background, so my only real job was to run shit back and forth for the doctors and nurses and deliver food to the residents. One of which, of course, was the creepy dude. Let's call him Mark. Now, as much as I hate to admit it, despite being an almost 30-year-old man, I'm probably what you call slender. I'm about 5'11", and at the time, I was about 120 pounds. I also had hair halfway down my back. This is important. I also had a beard down to the middle of my chest. This is also important. I delivered to Mark multiple times. He'd seen me face to face. I never had an issue with him. Like I said, he didn't give the dudes issues. Until one day, he approached me from behind while I was bringing snacks around for some of the residents. I was handing a snack to my absolute favorite resident, a sweet old lady who I'll call Wanda, 98 with a prosthetic leg and still full of life, and I hear, hey sweetie, come over here. It barely registers in my mind because there's a bunch of people around and it's not uncommon to hear and pull that type of thing. Wanda and I kind of rolled our eyes at each other and waited for the vulgar bit. Then Wanda said, hey, and pointing behind me. A second later, I felt someone squeezing the back of my arm, hard. I spun around, at which this point he saw who I was, and he went paper white. Some of the real staff had seen this going on, and dragged him back to his room. I was told to go on my break. Wanda and I had pudding together. Next time I saw him, he was still a dick, but didn't seem to hold a grudge. Not sure if he even remembered it. Wanda and I continued to eat our pudding and joke about the situation afterwards. It was our regular, daily thing until I went back to my real job. I don't know what Mark's doing other than, as my mom who still works there says, still being an asshole, but Wanda's great grandson is going to graduate soon and she's super proud.
My brother used to work the graveyard shift at a grocery store. Usually, there were three employees during that shift. Everyone started at 9 p.m., except for my brother. He started at 3 a.m. I remember him telling me creepy stories that would happen there. One time, a guy got robbed while walking to the store entrance from the parking lot. Another time, one of the guys was thrown out the trash and saw a homeless guy sleeping next to the trash. One time my brother was on break sitting in his car and saw a guy looking into cars. There's so many weird and creepy stories he has told me. The most scariest for him is one that he experienced two years before he resigned, aka got a better paying job. He had just parked his car and like usual he looked around before getting out. He didn't see anyone and decided to get out. He started walking up to the store when he heard footsteps behind him. He then looks behind him and sees a guy wearing all black. The guy has an oversized jacket and hoodie on. My brother is walking at a normal pace and this guy is speed walking. At that point, my brother starts walking faster and puts his hand in his pocket where he has his box cutter utility knife. As he approaches the entrance, he prays to God that someone opens the door fast. Sometimes he would have to wait up to 10 minutes because the other employees were jerks. Anyways, as he turned the corner, he sees another employee smoking a cigarette in the front entrance of the store. When the creep turns the corner and sees the other guy, he immediately turns around and walks back to where he came from. The other employee asked my brother if that guy was following him. My brother said yes, and that if it wasn't for him being outside, he would have had to probably fight this guy. My brother is the most respectful and hard worker I know, but he always tells me that he would not go out without a fight. I would always worry for him because of all the stories he told me. A lot of people would quit because they didn't want to become a victim to those guys. Some even refused to take out the trash alone. I feel like my brother got lucky that night. Even he feels that way. He said in all the 10 years he worked there, he never saw any employee outside and that it would always take a couple minutes for them to open the door. For all you graveyard shift workers, be aware of your surroundings. This happened to me around the end of summer, beginning of autumn, 2020, and I just remembered it, so I decided to post it. I got a new job at the store, and I love this job to bits. After several terrible jobs, this place was a breath of fresh air, lovely atmosphere, amazing co-workers, and most customers were very sweet. I never had a bad day at work until this particular day. So this day was like any other. I was restocking some of the stuff and looking around if any customer needed help. Our boss is very, lack for better words, strict about making sure we always give customers a lot of focus no matter what task we were doing. I put the last few things away on the shelf and turned around to find a man in his late 20s standing right behind me, staring. I put on the friendliest smile and asked him if there's anything I could help him with. He says in broken English that he needs help with some bug repellent or something like that. And I got him to our shelf full of brands and we go back and forth about what he needs. He finally settles on the brand and I ask him if there's anything else I can help him with. He asks me for the way back to the register and I give him a detailed description on the way there. He just looks at me puzzled and then I ask if he needs me to walk him there and he nods. As I'm walking him to the register, he starts asking me questions, like if I enjoy my job and such. 
normal questions that I answer politely. But then the questions got a bit more personal. He starts asking me about my age, where I live, who I live with, my work schedule. Questions people don't really ask employees. Me, a very shy person who doesn't want to upset anyone, I try to answer his questions without actually answering them. We're almost by the register when he stops and turns to look at me, standing a bit too close for my comfort. I stand there, visibly uncomfortable as he says, I'll be coming back tomorrow to pick you up from work. I laugh awkwardly and say, I don't know if I'll even be working tomorrow. He pauses for a moment then says, then I'll come by every day, we'll run into each other eventually. I laugh again thinking that he must be joking, but he's looking dead serious as I do. We could be friends you and I, I don't have many friends, you could be my friend. He then walks off to the register all by himself as he obviously knew the way there. And I stand in place until I can't see him anymore. I look around for a coworker and I spot my boss. I run up to her breaking down as I tell her what just happened, feeling pretty terrible for breaking down might I add. My boss asks who it was and I spot him by the door and point to him. My boss walks over and talks to him. What was said, I don't know, because I went to the break room to calm down. On my way home, I saw him by the bus stop, and I ended up calling my mom, and she picked me up, since I didn't feel safe going home alone. So, to the creepy customer at my job, I hope to never see you again. Longtime lurker, first time poster. I didn't feel like I was ever in immediate danger by this encounter, but it definitely left a weird taste in my mouth. I like to think that I'm good at picking up whether or not people are creepy when I first meet them, and he definitely gave me the weird vibes. I was working one Sunday night at my job where I'm a server, and 90% of the time our customers are incredibly kind. We have a great regular crowd, and we get to know them really well. However, one day this man came in. He seemed to be in his late 20s. He slowly walked in, stood a few feet away from me, in a lunch-like position. Obviously, putting on my customer service voice, I asked him what I could get for him. He ordered two things. I asked him for his name for his order, and he responded, and then asked me for my name. This wasn't that abnormal, but he never broke eye contact and almost whispered the question. His body language was very odd, and that's what kind of threw me off. He then began asking me more personal questions about myself. He eventually walked off outside, and I couldn't shake off the weird vibe he was giving me. A week later I was working, and he came in at the same time. He walked up to me and said hello, and of course I recognized him. He looked at me and said, that food last week was delicious, and proceeded to tell me he had a dream about me. Again, the same weird eye contact, weird body language, and whisper tone. Obviously, this would creep anybody out, especially with the way he was acting. I asked him for his name again, and after he gave it to me, he said, And your name is Ashley, responding with my name. I just nodded. I was uncomfortable, and my coworkers offered to take his food out. After work, I had to go to the gas pump at a place down the street from where I worked. I got on my car and did the usual thing and look over when I hear my name called. 
It's none other than the creepy customer. He was working at the gas station, of course. He got uncomfortably close to me. Mind you, this is during COVID times, so people being close to me would make me feel uncomfortable in general. He again started asking me questions about myself, where I was headed, when I worked, just personal things I would never ask a stranger. But what got me this time was his smile. Something about it just made me feel sick. I quickly stepped away, said goodbye, and got into my car. He ended up coming back a few times, but I always had my other co-workers take his orders instead. He eventually stopped coming by. One of my co-workers let me know that I was the only worker he ever started conversations with. Anyway, creepy guy at my work who doesn't break eye contact, whispers, and stands too close to me, and had a dream about me. Please don't come back in. I'm a female. Several years ago, I was about 19 and studying in college. During exam period, I would always go to the public library in the city center to study. They would have special places for students to study. This particular day, I had went there with a classmate. It was the weekend and I finished studying about 2 p.m. I asked my classmate if she would mind if I left. She said no, so I packed up my stuff and left the library. As I walked out of the library, I walked straight into the city center. As I left, I felt something brush up against me. Considering that I had just walked out of a quiet library into a crowded street, I brushed it off. I proceeded to walk through city center to get to my bus stop. After about five minutes of walking, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was way too close to me. So I grabbed my phone, held it up, and looked against the screen to see if someone was behind me. And that's when I saw a man, about 40, walking behind me with his eyes set on me. I felt uncomfortable because he was giving me the weird vibes. He just looked off. He was walking with a limp while staring right at me. He was wearing a scarf with a suit jacket, really old track pants, and old gym shoes. I didn't think he was homeless or a junkie, but he was just weird. But to be safe, I put my phone in my bag and put my bag over my other shoulder, away from him. That's when he walked up to me and started walking next to me. At this point, I had been walking for about 10 minutes through busy streets. He kept his eyes on me and was walking close to me as if him and I were walking together. Once I almost made it to my bus stop, I saw my bus drive off. I didn't want to wait for another bus at that bus stop and have this man wait with me or know which bus I was taking. I decided to continue walking down to Central Station which was about eight minutes away. As I crossed the street, I noticed the man kept walking and didn't cross the street. I felt relieved and pulled out my phone to text my mom that some weirdo had been following me for about 15 minutes at that point. Not even a minute later, this man comes running out of the alleyway right in front of me. I almost tripped when I saw him and he kept walking in front of me. Every 10 seconds, literally, I counted, he would abruptly turn his head and look back at me. I had even made a small snapchat video of it. At this point I was so nervous but I was almost at the central station so I just kept going. That's when he stopped, turned around and started talking to me. I saw you at the library, he said. I didn't respond. We were together at the library, he repeated. Again I ignored him. He didn't get the hint and kept talking. Hey, where are you going? 
Are you going to Central Station? I'm going there. I take the 312 bus. Which bus are you taking? At that point, I had enough. There were people walking by and nobody said anything. So I just ran to the Central Station and got on my bus. I sat behind the bus driver just in case the creep decided to run after me. I saw him looking around before getting on his bus. Once I was on the bus, I finally had a moment to think of what happened and realized that this man had been sitting there at the library watching me for hours and watching me leave and went after me. I remember feeling uneasy the whole time, but I ignored the feeling, thinking it was just my nerves before the exams that were coming up. This experience really made me uncomfortable because I had been coming to this library to study for years. Even in high school, I would study there till 9pm and leave by myself in the dark. I could only imagine what would have happened if I met him then. So psycho library stalker, let's not meet again. I'm a 27 year old female. I graduated from high school about 10 years ago. In my freshman year of high school, I was known to have a lot of friends. I was very friendly and every time I saw someone alone, I would greet them and offer them my friendship. Sometime during the year in my math class, we had a new guy. We'll call him Jose. Jose had recently moved to the US from Mexico and he hardly knew any English. Me being Hispanic, I was able to speak to him in Spanish and make him feel welcomed. Jose had no friends and always sat by himself. In math class, I started helping Jose a lot. He sat behind me and he would always play with my hair. I sort of felt like he had a crush on me and he was not bad looking, so I didn't look at it as a big deal. For a few months, two or three, he played with my hair. It became a norm. Towards the end of those months, he said that he wanted to play a game and asked me to write the things I loved most in my life. He would do the same and we could both share the papers. Of course, I wrote down my family, God, friends, and a whole bunch of other things. When I gave him back the list, he wanted specific names and he said he would do the same. I ended up writing my friends and family's names. One day, we were just hanging out in class and Jose said, Can I show you something? But you can't tell anyone or else you're going to pay for it. I was so confused and thought maybe he was going to ask me out. Jose pulled out a Ziploc bag and I couldn't really tell what was in the bag. It wasn't until he placed it on the table that I noticed it was a Ziploc bag full of hair. My hair. Jose pulled up his sleeve to show me his arms. He had about 10 heels from knife scars. Lines that he made with a blade that went down his arm. There was a fresh knife wound and he grabbed my hairs and placed them on top of the freshly opened wound from the night before and said, You are mine now. I know who you love, what you love. If you don't do as I say, you will pay for everything, anything and everything that happens from now on. Think of me. My heart sank. He started smirking. I ran out of class crying. I ran to the office. Everyone was so confused. I asked to speak to the counselor immediately. I explained to her what had happened. Jose was pulled out of class, taken to the principal's office, and was expelled that day. I feared for my life. They found all these notes of other people in his backpack. Mine was there as well. They saw the scars and found my hair. I never heard of Jose again. I've had some pretty fucked up shit happen in my life after that, and I always think of Jose. 
I haven't talked about this in years and I'm afraid that if I mention this, he will hear me and bad is to follow. After that, I got so close to God, closer than ever. Until this day, I don't know if Jose was just messing with me, but I will tell you that after that encounter, I am no longer that super friendly and open-hearted person I once was. Back in high school, I went on an overnight trip for my art class. Before we had left for the trip, the teachers had assigned us our rooms with three other people to share with in a hotel that we were staying at. I lucked out and only had to share with one other girl, who I didn't know very well. Let's call her Anna. Anna was the type of girl who never really talked in class, but when she did, it was always a weird comment under her breath. She always came to school wearing the same thing, a My Little Pony shirt and pajama pants. To be honest, I've never really seen her in any other outfit. Anyways, on the day of the trip, when we first checked into our hotel, before going out to dinner, we hung out in our room for a while. I tried to make a bit of a friendly conversation with her, but she didn't seem to respond much. But I did hear her talking to herself for a few minutes after our initial conversation. I couldn't make out what she was saying though. Later that day, I was in a group with Anna and two other students from my class. After visiting the first art installation, we headed our way to the next one. As we were walking down the sidewalk having a casual conversation, Anna turns to me and says, If you get ran over by a car right now, I would laugh my head off. And then all went silent. I had no idea how to respond to this, so I just brushed it off with a laugh, as if it never happened. A few hours had passed and we had stopped because one of the students in our group had saw a friend that he knew and decided to talk with them. As Anna and I waited on the side as they talked, she seemed really angry. She was pacing and sighing intentionally loud as if she was in a rush or something. She looked at me with the creepiest glare and said, I wish I could just throw myself off this balcony. Maybe then we would get somewhere and continued to pace around. At this point, I was very uncomfortable about being around her, so I tried to stick near the others for the rest of the time we spent out. Nearing the end of our trip, the two other students in the group decided to branch off and go to another exhibit while Anna and I met back at the hotel. We both got back on the bus and I sat near the back and she followed me. I was hoping to have a little bit of space, but she decided to sit right next to me. A few minutes passed and I noticed she looked at me for a good while without saying anything until she suddenly whispered to me, I really need to tell you a secret, but I want to wait until we get back to our room. At this point, I nodded and scooted away from her a little, towards the next seat, dreading when we got back to the hotel. When we got into our room, I headed straight to the bathroom to avoid talking to her, but she stopped me at the door, putting her arms out so I couldn't pass her. I want to tell you what I was going to say on the bus, she whispered to me. I felt a bad feeling in my stomach and awaited her next line. She leaned in closer and said, Well, when we were on the bus, I wanted to tell you that my nipples were tingling a lot. It wouldn't stop, and it's still happening now. After she said that, I pushed past her into the bathroom and locked the door behind me. I was super freaked out and disturbed by her, so I hid in there for 30 minutes until she went to sleep. When I went to bed, I put a wall of pillows so she couldn't see me, and to be honest, I was up for a while shaking and wanting to leave the room. The next day when it was time to go home, I avoided her as much as possible and thank god I never really saw much of her after that.
Okay, so buckle up because this is gonna get weird. This isn't something unknown amongst my friends and the people local to me as I live in quite a small town. So in ninth grade, I would have been around 13 or 14. I had no friends. I was and still am kind of weird and it threw people off. Making friends in high school was difficult for me because I refused to change who I am just to fit in. During the second week of school, I met George in my English class. Our teacher had sat us together, so we began talking and building a friendship. George was very nice and we had a lot in common. He had came from a different elementary school. It was odd because the people from his elementary commonly went to a different high school. Although he insisted that he wanted to go to this high school because there were certain classes he wanted to take that the other school didn't offer. After about a week of talking together during English, he asked if I wanted to eat lunch with him. We had the same lunch period and he said how he noticed how often I sat alone. I thought it was a nice gesture, so I agreed. We ended up having lunch together for a while, but then I started making some new friends. I always invited him to eat lunch with a few of the friends I had made, but he always declined. Then one day in English class, he passed me a note. This was very strange since we were sitting right next to each other. The note said something like, I need to talk to you. Can we please sit alone together for lunch? I wrote back that I would sit with him, and we hardly spoke for the rest of the period. I got a really strange vibe from him. So at lunchtime, I see him sitting at the end of the row. Our cafeteria consisted of a large harvest tables and benches. It was not separate chairs and tables like you see in restaurants, but rather a long, long table with benches on either side. I go to sit down and he says, No, let's go outside to talk. So I agree. He looked generally upset and I wanted to know what was going on. When we got outside, he led me over to sit on the curb in front of the school and started talking very aggressively. He told me that it was unfair of me to make other friends when he was the one who befriended me first. He told me I had to eat lunch with him because when I was alone, he ate lunch with me. So now that he was alone, I was obligated to eat with him. It was a very bizarre conversation. I explained that he could sit with me and my friends and that there wouldn't be any issues and that he could make some new friends. I told him I had enough friendship to spread around and that he had nothing to be upset about. What he said next completely shocked me. I could see the anger in his eyes. He grabbed my arm and said, I don't think you understand. You owe me this. You will sit with me. I got completely freaked out at that point and told him we could sit alone together every other day. I just wanted to get away from him and go back inside where more people were around. After that day, I started getting weird messages to my email. I never forgot the first email I was sent. It said, All women are Satan. The devil lives in you all. I didn't recognize the address and assumed it was just an internet troll trying to scare me. Then they started coming more frequently, all with the same message. Women are the devil. Satan lives in all women. I started getting scared, so I showed my friends these emails. They agreed it was weird, but also agreed that it was probably a random person trying to scare people. But my one friend Stacy told me that she thought it was George. She told me that she heard stories about why he came to our school instead of the high school that his 8th grade graduating class was going to. She told me that he was so obsessed with one of the girls in the class that her mom actually got a restraining order against him over that summer. 
I told her it sounded insane and I didn't believe it. I was still having lunch with George on alternate days and we were still friendly during English class, but I really wanted to distance myself from him. After Christmas break, our schedules changed for the second semester. I was honestly very happy about this because I knew I'd have a different lunch period than George and we wouldn't have English together anymore. I could slowly disassociate myself from him, but I was wrong. He started leaving me notes in my locker, confessing his undying love and explaining that we were meant to take the world over together, which at the time I thought was a very nice thing for him to say, but the feelings were not mutual. Eventually, I had to tell him that enough was enough. I explained that he was overwhelming me and that I needed a little space for my friendship. He seemed to understand. He didn't get upset or yell. He just agreed to give me space, which lasted about two days before the email started getting worse. He started threatening my life, telling me that he knew where I lived and went to school. I went straight to my mom when this started happening. I know I should have done it sooner. My mom called the police and the police informed the school. The school was able to look up the emails in their records and found out that it was George sending the nasty emails all along. George was suspended and wouldn't even look at me anymore. I was honestly relieved. One year later, after we graduated high school, George and his mother went for a drive. While she was driving, he stabbed her over a hundred times. He had a psychotic break. When police found him, he tried saying it was a car accident, but when they questioned him about the stab wounds, he admitted to killing her and trying to release the devil from his mother's soul. He pled insanity over the murder of his mother. He was eventually found not criminally responsible for her murder. So lately, I've been talking to my friend about stuff and we've been realizing how weird our school was. One story I have is perfect for the subreddit. So I was in my first or second year of high school. Our school was mainly populated by kids from tough backgrounds, poverty, homelessness, neglect of parents. So about once a quarter, our school would do something called potlatch, where teachers and students could essentially donate things that any of the students could grab and take home be it clothes, bedding, books, little knickknacks, whatever. What you need to know for this story though is how everyone got super hyped for the potlatch and would fill the main hall to see what there was, even if they weren't planning on taking anything. Our school also liked to invite representatives from different companies and organizations to hand out different flyers for whatever they worked for. Since a lot of kids were looking for opportunities to make money to either support themselves or their families. During one potlatch, this one guy, he was super nice, was handing out flyers for a gig that was too good to be true. The thing is, as I know now, something that's too good to be true usually is. Basically, they said they get to fly out to Seattle to live in the apartment that they owned, rent free, and all you had to do was be a door-to-door -door salesman for them, and they would pay you like $15 an hour. Some of you reading this probably already noticed the red flags, but we were dumb teenagers, and like the school invited them, we figured that the school wouldn't bring in something sketchy like that. I had just quit my job, and so this offer seemed awesome for the summer or something. However, almost immediately in the next period, we got an announcement basically telling us to throw away any flyers and not to, under any circumstances, call them. 
For those who didn't notice the red flags earlier, these guys were using common sex trafficking tactics. Basically, they offer a job that seems amazing, and if you bite, instead of sending you where they said they were, they would kidnap you and sell you. After doing minimal research, I found that the company that they were fronting was already a known sex trafficking front, and our school just invited them into the space with gullible teenagers. When I was 8 years old, I would walk a half a mile to school every day. Several times on my walk, a man would approach me and tell me how much God loved me and would ask me about taking Jesus into my heart. The guy gave me the creeps, but I was always polite since he was a grown-up. One day, he asked me for a hug, and that was it for me. I ran home and told my mom about the guy. Needless to say, I was driven to school after that. A few months later, a girl at my school was molested by that guy. He was a minister at her church. I went to a Catholic school in the 2000s, and we had this gym teacher named Coach Ricky. Now thinking back on everything, there were some giant red flags with this guy. But as a kid, you don't notice these things. First red flag, he would keep the boys and girls separated. All the other gym teachers never did that. Second red flag, he would pay more attention to the girls and practically ignore the guys. He would also get very angry if he saw one of the girls talking to one of the boys and that was the only time he would ever actually acknowledge the boys. He would also be adamant that the girls had to be exercising. Meanwhile, the boys could just sit around doing literally nothing. But if one of the girls was to sit down, even for a second, he would get really angry. I remember when I was diagnosed with a heart murmur and the doctor told me I couldn't exercise because of it. And when I told him that, he seemed irrationally irritated that I couldn't exercise anymore. So we left for Thanksgiving break and come back and the guy is just gone and when you would ask about him, they would act like they didn't know who you were talking about. So I asked my favorite teacher about it and she finally told me what happened. He apparently got caught watching the girls undress in the changing room and there was a rumor that he had tons of videos on it on his phone. My teacher didn't even know the whole story because my school kept it from the teachers and they didn't know whether or not the police were called because you never saw anything in the newspaper. I live in a small town so that would have definitely been a scandal. To this day I kind of wonder if he ever got anything of me. It makes my skin crawl thinking about it. I hope that bastard is in jail for what he did. So my sister, who was 14 at the time, was walking home from our local primary school with our German Shepherd. She starts noticing a black car doing laps, but assumes it's just a parent. She then, after a while, notices a man getting out of the car and getting into a white SUV and driving up the road closest to the side of the oval where she was. My sister starts getting a little creeped out, but walked around the other side and didn't think much of it still thinking it's apparent. Maybe about 15 minutes of the cars doing laps, she realizes that the two cars are parked on the two easiest streets to leave. My sister didn't bring her phone with her, and at this point, she was crying because there's two older men following her around to school and she can't contact anyone. She luckily finds a teacher and manages to contact my parents who come to pick her up. 
As soon as my parents get there, the two cars take off speeding in opposite directions before any number plates could be recorded. I hate to think what could have happened if she didn't have her dog with her and didn't notice. When I was in high school, a friend of mine would walk to my house in the morning and walk to school with me. After school, we would wait for each other to finish our after school activities and then walk home together. One day in our sophomore year, he had to get home as soon as he could because he had to babysit his sister. My house was only a few blocks away, so I told him no problem. It was the first time he didn't walk with me all the way to my house. I noticed an SUV while him and I were saying goodbye because they slowed down while driving. My first thought was to go to his house until his mom got home. I shook off the feeling and decided that he slowed down because we were next to a park. I walked down the road by myself and the SUV drove by again, slowing down a lot. I bolted down a dirt road into a place with construction workers building a house. The SUV turned around and began slowly driving on the dirt road. The construction worker closest to me could have passed off as my dad. I told him what was up and he took me inside the house. He took out a notebook and jotted down the license plate number as the man slowly drove by, staring into the house. The construction worker walked me home after a half hour or so and he called the police to report it. Never told my mom, only ever told my friend about it. He didn't let me walk the rest of the way home alone again for the rest of our walking days. I never brush off my gut feelings anymore. I was about 8 years old and at the exit of my school, all the kids wait for their parents. I was waiting for my babysitter who would always pick me up about 5.30pm. I was a bit confused as my babysitter wasn't there. She was never late. But I did not panic, just kept patiently waiting. Suddenly, a woman in her 40s, long curly brown hair, with a disturbing smile expression, came up from a group of parents and said to me, Your mother sent me to pick you up. She clearly saw my confused face and thought I was an easy catch. I had never seen her in my life, and if such a thing happened that she was picking me up, my mother would have let me know. All those thoughts passed through an 8-year-old's head in a few seconds. I responded, moving my head to the side in denial. She never stopped staring at me with that psycho expression and repeated the same thing. This time, slightly approaching me, ready to take my arm. Looking over her shoulder and other parents in the entrance, I noticed a black van parked, which I'd never seen before. I was always well aware of the cars that parked there because once I saw a Lambo and we were all waiting to see it again. At that age, I already realized that her tensions were not good and that the situation was way too strange. I didn't move an inch and said, no, again in a calm voice. The woman knew that she wouldn't be successful in her try. She knew that she couldn't take me by force because of all the other parents and some teachers were around. She didn't say another word. She took her eyes off of me and just stood there, looking for another child. A few minutes later, my babysitter arrived and I told her. She was very surprised and pissed but she didn't alert to school. At the time, I just thought about going home, but now, 16 years later, I think we should have told the school. I was aware of kids being kidnapped in my neighborhood, so I knew this could happen. 
I will never forget how that woman looked, and I hope that nothing ever happened to any of the kids at that school. This happened to me about a year ago. I've only ever shared the story with a couple of people. However, I thought it couldn't hurt to share it here. Big, big disclaimer before going forward. Don't worry. I realize I'm a huge idiot in this situation, and my choices could have put me in danger. However, I made it out alive and unharmed, and that's all that really matters. Even if I was too panicked to think properly and acted like a complete idiot, also, before I forget to mention, I'm a 21-year-old female. So it was around June 2019. I was doing a closing shift at the McDonald's I worked at in town. I live in England, originally from Scotland. We close up at 2 a.m. on weekdays and 3 a.m. on weekends. It had been a Saturday night shift, so I was finished and out the building by 3.15 roughly. When this happened, I was living about 10 to 15 minutes walk from my work in a flat that was mostly taken up by students. I didn't have money to spare to consistently get taxis and I had been walking home at night for the past year with no incidents. So of course, I didn't think anything differently of doing it again. The majority of my walk was fine and I was about four minutes away from my flat when I noticed a guy just standing near the corner that I had to turn to get home. I am weary when I see people, but usually they're drunk, or mind their own, or just ask for directions. Or it's a homeless person, as there's quite a lot in the city I live in. But at this time at night, they usually keep to themselves. This guy was dressed nice, but casual, looked around mid-twenties, well-groomed, tan skin, and a really strong smelling aftershave. He was obviously a regular at a gym too, because he had a muscular figure and he didn't seem to be drunk by the look of things, but who knows. I tried to keep my distance, but he approached me and started making really casual conversation, asking me what my name was, complimenting my accent, and asking where I was from. I stupidly engaged with him, but gave him a fake name and made it clear I wasn't up for a chat. I should have been firm with my words but I'm way too introverted and shy to speak up. Even my boyfriend complains that I talk too quietly sometimes and I struggle to be direct with people. Throughout the whole conversation, he was giving me an unsettling smile and would try to touch my arm or play with my hair, which I made it as clear as I possibly could that I did not approve of, not that he was listening. He would just say something along the lines of, but you're just so pretty. Not flattering at all when it's a man who won't take no for an answer. Anyways, this guy asked me for a hug and even though I refused him as politely as possible, he did it anyways. I froze up for a couple seconds before I moved away, which thankfully he let me do. He was being extremely creepy at this point and tried feeling over my sides as he gave me a hug, which gave me even more alarm bells ringing in my head. I told him I had to leave and as I was walking away, I heard, I'll walk you home. Where do you live? Unfortunately, I had nowhere else to go but home. Nobody else was around and it was too early in the morning. My roommate was also back at his own house as he went back home every weekend. 
I had a hold of my keys in my pocket and just hoped once I got to the building I could find a way in without this guy being able to invite himself in. I refused his walk home but he followed me anyways, walking about 8 to 10 feet away from me as I was speeding up at this point but caught up as I crossed the road. I don't know why I decided to go the long way to get to my building which was an extra 2 minutes or so, so not that long. As I was approaching the flat, I felt a horrible sinking feeling in my chest. The door to the building closes really slow at first, before slamming shut so I knew if I walked in he could potentially follow me inside, and that puts me at an even greater risk. By this point he was begging me to let him inside. He said he was extremely thirsty and wanted some water, but I told him that my roommate was sleeping. A subtle way to deter him by showing that I wasn't alone, but that didn't seem to faze him. He was trying to be touchy and just kept pleading with me to let him inside, but I kept my ground and said no as best as possible. As he was talking to me, I managed to use the fob on the door to open it, just enough to carefully slide through. However, he was right by the door and I didn't want to make him upset, so I apologized and told him no once again. Luckily he had moved away from the door as someone wanted to get into the building. The guy asked if everything was okay when he saw me, but I stupidly said everything was fine. That did give me a chance to move away from the door and let it close once the guy walked through. I didn't even look back to the guy as I ran upstairs to my flat as fast as I could. I didn't get any sleep that night and from that moment on I made sure I always had money aside for a taxi. I think I walked home once more between June and October before I moved. Really scary stuff and I'm glad I never saw him again after that. This all happened probably about a month ago from Thursday to Monday. Night 1, Thursday. I just got enough of work and walked a bit to get to my car. It was 10.30pm as I usually got off work pretty late at night. As I was unlocking it, a jeep turned the corner, saw me, and slammed on the brakes on the opposite side of the street. He started yelling something at me, and I was pretty scared so I didn't say anything back, and I got into my car right after that. I was watching the jeep in my rearview mirror, and he flipped a U-turn and sat behind my car for a few minutes. I didn't move my car, as I was scared he was going to follow me home. After a few minutes, he had driven away. I drove around taking random turns because I was freaked out. I texted my coworker, and she had seen the jeep as well. I got into work the next morning. He was in the parking spot I was in, so we all laughed about how paranoid I was. Night 2, Friday. My coworker and I had just gotten off work again, and it was possibly around 11pm. She decided to drive me to my car because parking on the street where my work is located sucks, so I had to park three streets away. We had just crossed the street and gotten into her car and the same jeep whips around the corner. I told her, huh, look who it is, and we had a laugh about it. Once I was in my car, I was driving down the street, her truck was just parked on. The jeep once again whipped around the same corner where us two girls were. I thought it was slightly strange, but chalked it up to being paranoid again. 
And I didn't think anything of it. Night three, Monday. It was around 10.30 p.m. and us girls were still at work waiting for a few more clients to pick up their pets. I was just giving a woman her dog when the same Jeep parks in my work's parking lot. He had told me that he had been driving around the area for the past 45 minutes trying to find a parking spot. Again, the parking on the street my work is located at is atrocious, but nothing so bad that you would spend 45 minutes driving around looking for a spot. It takes about 10 at the most. I know. I've timed it. I said, okay, you can just sit here, but my car's right there. I can move it and you can take my spot, no big deal. He looked at me dead in the eyes and said, no, I want to sit here. I got a pretty bad feeling. I went back inside and let the girls know that the guy was in our parking lot. They all thought it was pretty weird and creepy, especially because I had offered him the spot. He just turned his car completely off. He didn't have his phone on that we could see or any other light source. 11.30 rolls by and we see his car turn back on. He had just been sitting there for about an hour at that time of night. We found it pretty weird. After he finally left, we made sure we saw his Jeep turn the corner and booked it to our cars. This may just be me being overdramatic, but I believe he had bad intentions for one of us girls. I've only seen that Jeep twice since these incidents, and I'm constantly looking for it. This story happened to me about three years back, when I used to work at a gas station very close to where I live. The event really creeped me out, so I can vividly picture everything that happened that day at work. I had went in for my shift about 6pm that day. Our gas station was open 24-7, so some days I would end up working till about 1 in the morning. The first half of my shift was nothing out of the ordinary. They put me on the floor shift instead of working in the kitchen, so I was mostly just cleaning up the store. Every now and then, we would get a lot of customers at a time, so I would have to cash them out and handle the register, but that was just a normal thing. After some time, I had stocked the cooler cleaned up some dishes, and finished up some tasks. So overall, it was a very easy day. I can remember at the time of her first arriving, I was finishing up cleaning the kitchen. We normally close the kitchen around 10.30 every night, but the person on the kitchen shift ended up doing a horrible job of cleaning up. My manager put me back there just to tidy things up and clean the machines. I was just about to take off my gloves when I saw an elderly woman with a book bag on enter the store. I normally don't stop what I'm doing to look at customers who come in, but there was something just really off about her. She was walking with this very awkward limp and her hood was up. That alone would raise concerns, but for the first 20 seconds that she was in the store, her head was facing directly towards the ground. She made a loop around the one part of the store and then went up to the counter. She looked up at my manager and in almost a whisper goes, Can I use your telephone please? After this, I thought maybe she was just homeless and was calling someone for a ride, so I shrugged it off. I made myself a flatbread sandwich before closing up, so I went behind the counter to eat it before I got back to work. Every now and again, I caught myself looking up at her on the phone, 
and I realized she had her back turned to both of us and was speaking quietly. The creepiest part was that she kept looking back at me. She would talk on the phone inaudibly, then whip her head back, stare at me for like three seconds, then turn around and go back to talking. This made me super uncomfortable. After she got finished using the phone, she went behind the counter of the store and just sat down. This is the first time I've ever seen someone just sit down in our store. At this point, I had finished my sandwich and went back to grab the floor scrubber because it had been a while since I cleaned up the floor. When I came out, I was directly across from her and I could just see her staring at me. She wouldn't take her gaze off me. Everywhere I went throughout the store, I just felt her eyes peeled on the back of my head. I stopped the scrubber for a moment and decided I should stock some drinking cups because one of the slots was completely empty. I looked back at her and she was still looking at me, but this time she got up and went back to the counter again. She looked up yet again at my manager and asked if she could use the phone. The eerie part was that she kept doing the same thing where she would talk on the phone, look back at me, turn around and continue talking. She didn't even grab her stuff or anything. She just had her hood on and kept awkwardly staring. I obviously had to continue working my job, but I got really worried about who she was talking to on the phone and why she wouldn't stop looking at me while she was talking to them. I got back on the scrubber and she went back into the corner of the store to sit down. I was making my way up the aisle towards her when I got a really good look at what she looked like. Her stare gave me the chills. She had really big eyes and they looked very dark. They might have been very dark brown, but to me they appeared almost black. She still had her hood up and she was just sitting there staring at me. Now, it's normal for a person to look at someone when they're coming up to you. But I was literally 10 feet away and she was staring directly at me for 5 seconds. If you've ever seen the movie Drag Me to Hell, she looked like the old woman from that movie. I quickly looked down at the floor but continued scrubbing past her. After what seemed like forever, I finished a small bit of floor in the area and made my way to the back of the store. I was halfway there when I heard a rustling of the book bag and realized that she grabbed her stuff and walked out. She did it so quickly it startled me. As she walked out, I looked through the window and realized that there was no car there to pick her up. Whoever she was talking to on the phone obviously was not her ride. She was just walking all by herself on the road. I recently got a job at a hotel downtown from where I live. I had never worked in the hotel industry before, so I had no idea what to expect. The time between applying for the job and being hired was less than 24 hours, which made me nervous. But I had been looking for several months and couldn't find anything, so I thought I'll take the chance. The hotel is about 150 years old and has plenty of character. Behind the front desk are places where the wallpaper has torn away, revealing the psychedelic wallpaper from what I could only guess to be the 1970s. We're talking bright pink, neon green, hookah induced fission type wallpaper. The walls in the upper floors are painted bright yellow and orange. 
and the hallways are narrow and even give off that shining kind of feel to it. But I'll elaborate on that later. My manager was a young Chinese man in his mid-twenties, only five years older than me. The man who owns the building is also Chinese and literally a walking stereotype. The owner is friendly and kind to his employees, but he's also rich enough that he doesn't really care if the hotel is up to par. I learned recently that he also owns one of the more rundown shopping centers downtown, so this might explain the less than 5 star quality of the hotel. Probably about 3.5 stars, in my opinion. Some people describe it as quaint, unique, full of character, while others describe it as outdated or disappointing. As a history enthusiast, I would agree that this place is full of character but I think the owner should be a little more concerned about keeping the place clean. There are lots of problems in this hotel, including mice, broken toilets, falling ceiling tiles, leaks, and other maintenance nightmares. The fancier rooms on the top floors have real fireplaces in them, so that also adds risk of fires at the hands of careless guests. Mice are a common problem, and thankfully the guests don't have to see any of the dusty traps filled with dead rodents in the basement. But by far, the most interesting aspect of the hotel is that it's supposed to be haunted. There are two ghosts that have been reported in the building, as well as the adjoining pub next door. Back when the hotel was first built, it had a reputation of being a complete dive. A lady, now named Lady Churchill, died in the hotel and her spirit lingers in the haunted room, 49. Guests will occasionally smell her perfume or see her face in the mirror. One of the most frightening stories includes someone opening the door only to have Lady Churchill fly at them in fury. On my first day, when my boss toured me around the hotel, he pointed out the haunted room to me. Lady Churchill had also been spotted at the fireplace in the pub, arguing with her boyfriend, the other resident ghost, Brady. Brady was stabbed to death in the basement stairwell. The stairwell is not in use anymore and leads directly from the street into the basement. Instead, it's used to store extra chairs and miscellaneous items. The light is never turned on, which adds more of a creepy factor. My shift is a day shift from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Every morning when I come in, I have to check the entire hotel by myself in search of homeless people sleeping in the back stairwell or trying to get through the basement. I'm not an intimidating person. I'm a short female, not physically fit, and too friendly for my own good. If I did find someone hiding in the hotel, what was I supposed to do about it? I'm not sure what creeps me out more, the fact that I'm going to look around for people that shouldn't be there, or the idea that I have to walk around in the dark, silent areas, known to be haunted, all by myself. My sweep of the hotel includes all four floors and guest rooms, the kitchen, the back stairwell, and the basement stairwell, as well as the basement. To give you some context, the back stairwell serves as a fire escape connecting all the floors together. It goes straight down to the street level. It's always cold and echoey in there, and as I said before, full of dead mice. When I was first told about the haunted stairwell, I mistakenly thought that they meant the fire escape stairs as they go down to the basement level. The four floors for the guest rooms in all their overlook hotel glory are shaped like a square horseshoe, which means more enough blind corners. 
Lady Churchill haunted the room at the end of the hall around one of these blind corners and yes, I do think about it every time I search the hotel. There's an elevator and an interior stairway the one guests are supposed to use. Behind the elevator is an old connecting hallway that basically serves no purpose anymore. In the past, it may have been useful, but now it just serves as a secret passageway that goes behind the elevator and comes out the other end of the horseshoe. This hallway especially needs to be searched for homeless people, drunks, or people having sex. The basement is by far the creepiest part of the hotel. To get there, you either take the elevator or go through the pub and down the stairs. I prefer to go through the pub because there are some fantastic black and white photos of when the hotel was first built and I love to look at them. It was almost the best place to see the age of the brick foundation. Anyway, the basement is used for storing beer kegs, firewood, plant potters, housekeeping items, and maintenance tools, among other things. It was usually deserted. Now that I know the dark, unused basement stairway is not where Brady's spirit is supposed to be, I think I try to spend even less time down there. This week is my second week of work and my boss had put me on the afternoon evening shift just so I can get a sense of what it's like in case I have to cover someone in the future. Yesterday was my first late shift and in that time I learned a whole bunch of things that I didn't know from the lady I worked with. This woman, let's call her Peggy, has been at the hotel for 14 years. She has seen all there is to see and is well known for her stories. I've listened to some of the stories and honestly, part of me thinks she's full of shit, but the other part is going to cautiously believe her on the off chance that it's true. Here are some of the things I learned about the hotel in the span of one shift. The man I'm replacing was not actually fired for chronic lateness, as my boss had told me, but instead for sexual harassment. The head of housekeeping, a man I get along very well with, is a friend of his. Two. The day before, Peggy caught a drug addict rooting around in the private back office after hours. We looked over the security footage and he was definitely searching for something. We now keep the office doors locked. 3. There were two guests several years back who stayed at the hotel and the next day they robbed a jewelry store downtown and fled back to the hotel with everything they had stolen. There was a massive police standoff on the roof. SWAT teams and all. There's a news article about it online, otherwise I would have not believed it. 4. The bedrock of the hotel can be found in the boiler room. There is a slight gap that has been filled in on the top right corner that connects directly to the street. One time Peggy came down there to the boiler room to find that man halfway through the gap head first, trying to get in because he wanted to know what was down there. That image terrifies me. In that span of one night shift, an alarm bell went off in the basement. The police showed up at the pub and a guest verbally abused the day staff over a non-existent shuttle to the hospital. No, not an ambulance, a shuttle. Taking the bus was beneath them, I suppose. And at my bus stop after my shift, a man was shooting up in public. My city has a drug epidemic going on right now. My bus took about a half hour to arrive, and when I got off at my stop, it was as foggy as Silent Hill. I thought as if I should be looking around for Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. It is October after all. That's one night shift down. 
I have another one tonight and one more the day after. If anything interesting happens, I'll keep you folks updated. I mostly wanted to get this off my chest. Here's my creepy pizza delivery story from college. When I was in college, I got a job delivering pizzas late at night. Typically, I would work until 2 a.m. It was a shitty job, and the shop was extremely dirty and unsanitary, as well as falling apart. But I typically made really good tips, so it was worth it. I was 18 at the time, and I'm female. It was summertime in Colorado, so even at night, it was still fairly warm. Important details for later. This was the second weekend on the job, and I was still getting used to it. I'm already a paranoid person, so I preferred just dropping off the pizza, taking my tip, and then leaving right away for the next delivery. I pretty much never went in someone's house, and if I did, I would just step in real quick, but I'd leave the door open. It was pretty close to midnight when I got the delivery to a house on the east side of town. It was supposed to be my last delivery of the night. I pulled up to the house and it looked pretty normal from the outside. The street was really dark but I didn't feel uncomfortable. I walked to the door and knocked. This big shirtless old dude with a beer belly answers the door and tells me to come inside. I got weird vibes from him right off the bat. I declined to come in and tried to give him the pizza right there. But then he goes, come inside, it's freezing out and we don't want the cold air coming in. This didn't make sense to me as it was summer. So stupidly, I get nervous and I take one step inside the house, not going all the way through. Then he goes, no, come all the way in, it's cold out. I should have left at this point, but I was freaked out, not thinking straight. So I went in and he closed both the screen door and the main door behind me. I'm trying to calm myself down, telling myself I'm overreacting. He then yells to his wife that the piece is here. I could see her in the kitchen cooking, which seemed weird that she ordered pizza but was also cooking. I don't know. I look around their living room and it's filled to the brim with stuffed animals, completely covering the couches, tables, windowsills, everything. Gave me a really weird vibe. Then his wife comes into the living room holding something outstretched in her hand. She walks up to me and I see that some kind of bread or cake. She goes, eat this banana bread and don't worry, it's not poisonous. What the fuck? I try to politely decline, lying and saying that I'm on a diet. She just stares at me, still with her hand outstretched, waiting for me to take the bread. I didn't take it and then she got really upset. She starts yelling at me to eat the bread. I decline again, but this time I'm not trying to be polite. I tell the couple that I really have to get back to work. I'm still holding the pizzas too and thinking about just running out the door at this point. She gives up on trying to make me eat the bread and walks back into the kitchen. Then the man's like, let me find some change for your tip. He starts looking around the living room, digging through the couch cushions, trying to find change to give me. I tell him to forget it and I don't need a tip, that he can just take the pizza but he insists on finding a tip for me. He spends the next several minutes searching his stuffed animal infested living room for a change. 
and I start to think to myself, maybe he's trying to stall me. Most people have the tip ready when I get to their house. I was so worked up at that point that I just tell dude I'm leaving and start to open the door. He took the pizza and gave me a few quarters that he found. I booked it out of there and went back to the shop. I told my supervisor what happened and he didn't seem to care. He just sent me on another delivery. I was pissed. I don't know if that couple was actually creepy or just really socially awkward, but I never delivered to that house again. On my first summer back home from freshman year of college, I picked up a part-time job delivering pizzas in my town around 30 minutes from where I lived. The area in rural Georgia is known for having places in the middle of nowhere and the pizza place whole shtick was that it delivered to even the most remote areas imaginable within the town limits. I could fill books with weird experiences from that summer from the call that came in from a long abandoned warehouse to a dog that got excited about the pizza in my hand and accidentally shredded my pants with her claws. But one will always stand out in my mind as the creepiest. It was fairly late at night, around 10.30pm, so I was confident at this time that I would be set on no further calls before closing at 11pm. However, someone barely managed to miss the cutoff time, and our clerk accepted their order since they were so close. I was given the address in a single box of hot dough and sat on my merry little way. The first red flag was the driveway, or rather, the lack thereof. There was a mailbox, but no actual driveway, not even gravel. It was just grass and barely distinguishable trodden pathway that resembled more of a service trail than it did something frequently used. I bumped along, wondering if I was en route to the place when I saw a slightly above average sized house come over the horizon, horribly dilapidated and completely surrounded with overgrown woods. I guess it made it where the rest of the driveway led and ended up parking in a grassy patch that could have been a walkway just as easily as it could have been the front yard. My headlights were aimed towards the porch as per company policy. I walk up to the door, but I believe that calling it a door is generous. It was a door frame, alright, but the door itself was a large slab of wood propped haphazardly against the side of the house, barely covering the entrance. This was red flag number two. The third and fourth red flag were also the door. This included an A4 sheet of printer paper with the words around back scribbled in all caps, which was hanging just below the place where someone had self-engraved the door with the title Manson Family Ranch. Typically, I would not go around the back of the house, especially a shady, unlit house, and especially at night. However, it was my last drop off of the day, and I was ready to get it over with and be on my way home. Against better judgment, I trapezed over the back of the house. The door back here is actually a door, but it's covered with black cobwebs and fresh spider webs. Clearly, this door has not been used in some time. I found the cleanest area available and knocked. I counted to 45 and knocked again. There were no lights on in the house and I could hear no movement from inside. I knocked and counted again 
and repeated the sequence three more times before I was finally creeped out enough and decided to return to my car. As I turned, I finally heard a voice coming from inside the house, clearly agitated, but I couldn't tell what they were saying. I tried to knock one more time and I was counting and I heard something in the woods behind me. It started out as just movement deep in the trees, but soon enough I could make out distinct running footsteps coming directly towards me through the brush. As I'm standing there coming to terms with my impending demise, I follow the direction of the noise to the edge of the woods, which is around 15 feet away from me. In the moonlight, I could clearly see the woman who stepped out. She was relatively old, maybe in her 60s, I would guess. She had long blonde gray hair, which was tangled and matted and hung down past her hips. She was in what looked like to be originally a white nightgown, but at this time it was dingy and closer to beige brown color. She was absolutely barefoot and her feet were covered with dirt and what had to be blood, presumably due to the fact that she had just sprinted through the prickly woods where there's no trail to be seen. I never learned her name, but I still refer to her as Red Flag Number 5. She stopped short when she saw me and started to shake her head no, eyes wide. I stood there like a terrified deer in the most fucked up headlights ever as she took a few more steps towards me, reaching out to me, fingers pointed. Her voice came out way stronger than mine would have been at that time. You know how southern people can either sound like loving grandmothers or backwoods murderers? Well, she sounded like the latter when she drawled, Oh, no, 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 honey, no, you get on, you get, get out of here. I wish I could say I listened, I ran, I left, but I was so in shock at how the events were playing out that my own self-preservation was put on the back burner. When I tried to figure out just what in the Kentucky Fried Fuck was happening. She seemed to realize that I was not moving. Even if I could not make my mouth move to ask her what was happening. Or even what to do with the stupid pizza in my hands. She looked at me like she could have smacked the hell out of me right then and there. And proceeded to deliver red flags 6-12. through 12. Darling you hear me? You deaf or dumb? Young girls like you come out here and they don't get to leave. So I finally quit being the white person in a horror movie when I realized that this was not a funny little ghost story. This was a 5 foot 3, 116 pounds me potentially being targeted to be robbed or kidnapped or worse. So I dropped the dumb little pizza which had serious serial killer toppings by the way and started running back to my car which I stupidly left on and unlocked, as was my usual for most of my deliveries. As I neared my car, I heard the slam from behind me. I looked over my shoulder to see the wooden door had been pushed over and had fallen into the porch beneath. As I'm closing into the car door, an older man was limping down the front steps, waving his arms like an airplane runway attendant to me, calling me little bitch, telling me to Get out of the fucking car, now. At a loss for what to do, I called out something muttering and shaky along the lines of, pizza out back. 
I floored my dad's shitty late 90s Lexus and somehow managed to avoid the trees on the old trail back to the main road, which was still 12 miles and several turns from the road that actually had a name, let alone painted lines. I reported it to my manager and he said that he would contact the police, but nothing ever came of it that I'm aware of. Either way, this was my first and hopefully